Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, February 17th, 2016, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Mr. Bob Ryer. Good evening. And on the line with Mr. Cifse. Hello. And Mr. Joey Pacino. Hey, yo. Uh, Stephanie is is out due to flooding, so she, uh, she's not with yeah. us this week. Yeah, tough. Uh, send her good vibes, but uh, this week we're going to be... Of course, doing some lightning round, talking about some books. Um, we're gonna we're gonna sort of dip our toe into the re, the DC Rebirth conversation. Some stuff ran on CBR, so feel a little more comfortable just at least kind of going over sort of their I guess um, extrapolations of of what everything might mean. Uh, they have a kind of interesting formula for for what they're doing, and then of course the main event we're going to be reviewing uh, Deadpool uh, from Fox Studios, starring Ryan Reynolds, directed by Mister. Tim Miller. So that's going to be our our, our, our main event. Uh, before we get to that, Joey. Yes. I saw you. You were you were tweeting up a storm the other night when the Grammys were on. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> totally fun times. Tell me what your your standout was from the Grammys this year. Uh, my standout, like positive. Yeah, positive. I think the the Kendrick Lamar performance. Yeah, buddy. Was was rocking. <laughs> I wasn't gonna watch the Grammys. I, I I usually don't watch award shows, but my brother is staying at the apartment and he's into it. And he was like, "Well, we're not gonna watch the Grammys," even though he's like 22 and he still talks like a kid. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, so we watched it and uh, I was I wasn't into it. I was like, "All these songs sound the same." And then Kendrick Lamar went up and did that performance, and I was like, "This is amazing." Mm. Um, and if and Don Cheadle introduced the song and i was like this is going really well and then (laughs) and then um hamilton performed and it was like that half hour and gwen stefani did like a commercial performance something i don't know it was weird um i was like this half hour of this show is the best thing i've seen in a long time (laughs) on either side uh it just was more of the same kind of award show blase but um i really liked that that chunk what was your what was your low your low point joey uh, Seth MacFarlane? No. Um, <laughs> my low point. <laughs> it wasn't really a low point, and I didn't like. I didn't want to be mean during it, but the um, the, the the group was doing that that girl crush song, um, Little Big Town, I think is what they're called. The song was pretty, and I know that it, there's a lot of kind of um, controversy around it and all of that. But I, the second they went on the stage, I didn't know the song, I didn't know the band, and I was just like. These people have doppelgangers. The guy, one guy looks like Richard Branson. The other guy <laughs> looks like the mom from Matilda. And uh, one guy looks like a generic Bond villain. And then they had their lead singer. Um, and I, I huh. felt really bad. And I was like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to post this because it's a pretty song. But I just said it, so whatever. 
Yeah, you you become you become a live tweeting master, Joey. Over the last, I have opinions. You have a very strong, <laughs> mostly silly opinions about all of these very vital things. Um, Has Kanye happening. tweeted you, Joey? He tweeted everybody else. It seems in the last couple. No, of days. No, no, I, I, I don't touch Kanye. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see any tweets about Kanye on your on your in your stream there. Nah, no, you left him alone. Um, yeah. Leave Kanye alone. <laughs> Uh, Steve, how has your, uh, your, your week in non-comics been? It's been good, man. I'm, uh, I'm out in Canada. I, uh, am visiting my girlfriend. We had a lovely couple of days being more or less snowed in. You were able to get out, but you didn't want to. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we chilled. We played through Firewatch, uh, from beginning to end in one sitting. Awesome. Which was cool. Mm -hmm. Um... We saw Deadpool. We sat in like one of those nice cushy theaters. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a really like lively audience. We'll get to some more of that later. But um, I don't know. It's just been it's just been cool. Been kind of rejogging my brain a little bit today, trying to catch up on a few things and uh, talk to a couple people. But for most of the part, it's been uh, a nice trip. I'm gonna be here till the 28th, so oh. I'm just getting comfy. Yeah, that's all. That's a you still got like two weeks. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a good it's a good chunk of time. Um, yeah, I had a, my brother was in town this past weekend. He actually was showing uh, a dog at the Westminster wow. Kennel oh, Club nice. dog show. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he came to Long Island on Saturday, and we had lunch and and stuff. And then um, and then on Sunday, my, me and my wife and my mom went into the city to see him. They uh, they have like events all weekend for the Kennel Club show. Uh, the actual big show is on the on that Monday, obviously, uh, but. Uh, they they do all a bunch of little events going on so like they were he had dogs and like the specialty stuff where they they kind of do it in, like the hotel across the street they do like in the ballrooms and stuff like that um so uh, we went in there we watched you know we got to see one of his his dogs in, in one of those things and then a nice lunch in the city and then and then, and then went home um We've also Karen and I continued our, our our journey through the the Harry Potter movies, which we we finished Deathly Hallows Part One. Uh, so we just have the second part of Deathly Hallows to to go, and then she's got the whole the whole story. But she actually started reading the the books uh, oh, nice. during this That's process, good. so it's good. Yeah, that, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, what else did I watch? Oh, I watched uh, the first episode of Eleven Twenty Two. 63 the uh stephen king Ooh, uh, oh, how was that jj abrams miniseries that's on hulu with james franco it was good uh people don't know the story it's about uh th basically th in the small town in maine there is a if you walk into this closet um in this in this diner you come out on like a specific day and a specific time in 1960 um and the you find out that there's a guy and this is all very very beginning this is this is a setup he's been trying to prevent the assassination of john f kennedy um and he sort of failed he sort of passes along a torch to the james franco character and so james franco who kind of just has gotten divorced and really doesn't have doesn't have really anything to to stay for um goes but the, the deal is like you can go live in the you can go in 1960 and spend however much time there but when you come back it's only two minutes have passed no matter how long you spend in in nineteen in in, in the sixties, and you, and you, you only go back on that day at that time at that moment. So if you want to prevent the Kennedy assassination, you have to spend three years in in nineteen yeah. in the sixties, and that's three years of your life that go away. So, and, and then the idea is just like he's going to try and and he's going to at least make an attempt to try and stop the assassination. Um, and it it's it, it does a couple things that I really like, which is you know, every time he sort of comes through this portal, 
it's that same moment. So they do that great thing where they're sort of repeating, you know, the same things like car drives by, it's playing this song, this guy drops some milk bottles, that kind of thing. And then there's um, the sort of idea of like a force in the past that sort of the past doesn't want to be changed. That's sure. sort of like the idea. And that when you try to you get close to changing something, the past pushes back uh, against you. Mm. So it, it's, it's a very interesting premise. And Franco is a very good uh, Stephen King protagonist. Mm. Um, it, it, he plays a very good one. And, you know, it's, it's funny because Stephen King is one of the mo- most prolific sort of, you know, popular authors in, in American history at, at this point. But when you look at sort of the, his, you know, the sort of things that have been made out of his work, there are very few things that you can sit there and, and, and stand up and say, this, these are really great versions of, of these books mm-hmm. or, 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 you know, that he's, that he's written, you know, there's sort of the, uh, the Frank Darabont stuff with, you know, with, with Shawshank Redemption and the Green Mile and, and, and the Mist, which I think are all very good. Um, and there's something like Misery, which is, which, which is mm-hmm. very good. And then there are little things here and there. Like I think 1408 is, is a pretty good adaptation of a mm-hmm. Stephen King book. And, and there are little things here and there. But for the most part, a lot of them are missteps. A lot of them were made, obviously, for TV. Back in the time where making things for TV was not a very prestigious thing. Right. So they, they did well for the time, but you go back and watch them, I don't think they hold up very well at all. I think all. my favorite under-the-radar King one is Dead Zone. Mm, Dead Zone is great. Yeah, Dead Zone's a good yeah. one. Uh, it's just for, sort of forgotten at this mm-hmm. point. It's Cronenberg, it's still Cronenberg, but it's not. Yeah. He's toned it down some, but it's still grim. Yeah. And Christopher Walken is so haunted in that picture. Yeah, normal oh. Christopher Walken, not yeah. like the Christopher Walken that he's, you know, kind of become at this point where he's sort of like a cartoon character. Uh, yeah, that, no, that's a good one. I shouldn't say that's a good one. And, and Carrie was good as, as yes. well. Carrie was good at adaptation. Um, What's the one Gary Sinise was in? <sighs> what was, Gary? was that The Stand? Gary Sinise was yeah. in The Stand, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which at a time is like a groundbreaking miniseries. But you go back and watch it now, there's a lot of... Yeah, Rough. I tried watching the first uh, chunk of it on when it was on Netflix, and I was like, oh, yeah, nineties. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Love to see them try that again because that mm. may be my favorite of the books. Yeah, the, the abso- bigger books anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, the stand would be. Great. I mean, be great to see it, it. It is my favorite of of the King books, and that miniseries obviously is it, in my childhood brain is this like terrifying, amazing thing. You're back watching yeah. now. It suffers from the same problem. It has some good moments. Tim Curry is kind of yes, inspired absolutely. casting as as Pennywise, but again, it's TV in the nineties. They could and that that's. What they do in the in that miniseries, they kind of askew, eschew what makes Penny. They make basically Pennywise the clown and nothing else, and that's sort of yeah. not what that character the character is. That's one form of that character, but there's a lot more to that story. Um, so I would, I, I, I think it's great that they're doing this. I think, I think a miniseries, even though I'm talking about those series not being the best, but in, in modern TV terms, I think doing miniseries of his work is the best possible way mm-hmm. to, to go because there's so much going on and what, you know. What King does, which I don't think he gets enough credit for, where people don't really read the work or just kind of know it tangentially, is that he's so good at building characters, uh, and that's I think that's what, like what his gift is: is building very interesting, deep, flawed characters that you love to read about and, and you love to follow. And, and so I think that that's and people get very wrapped up in just like let's just tell this kind of horror plot. And the, the secret of most Stephen King books is that the plot is generally not the best thing about right. any of them. Um, so, I, 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 you know, you're gonna lose the parts that are great, and you keep the the cool ideas. But I want to see all that stuff. Like, I always say this. I said this a million times. The Stanley Kubrick, The Shining, is probably the best movie or best thing ever made that was that used a Stephen King thing as a reference. Used, used being yes, <laughs> yes. the operative word, right? <laughs> but it, it's a horrible adaptation of what those yeah. that book is about. And I feel like the kind of long form version of miniseries of a TV show is the kind of 
the thing that you you can you can use to really tell these stories really well. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, it, it they're doing eight, it's eight parts. Um, I'm not sure. The first part is an hour and twenty minutes long. I don't know if that's what all of them are, are going to be. I I hope so. But uh, it it covers a lot. It covers a lot. You know of, of what the book is, and I I think that the the one thing that the first episode suffers from is just that it's basically going along the book, and you know it's obviously speeding things up and goosing is a little bit to make to make it sort of work but not i guess a lot happens but none of like the big stuff happens in the first episode so i'm wondering if people who don't know the book will be into it as you know and not knowing what's coming i i i i'm curious they have to know the assassination's coming so yeah that's their hook that you're gonna get to yeah i'm sure they didn't stop one no, yeah, no, right. no, no. So he's only been there for you know in the in the in this first episode he's only been there for a couple of months. But you know, um, before we get to like a, a, a big story point, um, and the other thing too, the, the thing I like about the time travel mechanic in this too is that it, when you when you come back, if you go back again, you reset everything that you did the last time sure. that you went because you're always coming out in 1960 on this day. So if you even if you went and stopped the Kennedy assassination, if you, there was one thing that you did that you didn't like. If you wanted to go back, you have to do it all over oh, again yeah. in order to in order to do it. So, um, interesting premise. It's one of his better stories, I think, over the last couple of years. Though he's done a very good. I think the second this like this last ten years of his career has been almost uniformly excellent. But um, it's it's a really great story, and I'm excited to see what what it all comes together. For. There, there are a couple of little sidebar things. Mm-hmm. There was a Twilight Zone episode called Back There. Uh, it stars Russell Johnson, the professor from Gilligan's mm-hmm. Island, who's he's sitting around a, a gentleman's club and they're all chatting about how things go in history and talks about Lincoln and walks out the front door and finds himself in April of 1865. Hmm. And history proves hard to change, uh, which Superboy found out at one point. He went back to stop the same assassination and who shows up at Lex Luthor hmm. and gets him with kryptonite so he can't stop the assassination. It's like, oh, stop. Come on, Lex. He, Lex eventually feels bad about that. Doesn't remember it later, but he felt <laughs> bad about that for a minute or two. So there's been all those sort of weird things. Mm-hmm. That we, I think, did we do it the whole time travel thing once? We, we shared uh, about a whole bunch of time travel movies. Oh, uh, what on uh, on here? On here? Yeah. Did we? I don't remember. I don't remember. I, mean, I, know, I know we did on Fanboy. Yeah, we definitely did on Fanboy yeah. Remix. I don't remember if we did that here or not. Uh, my favorite of those. You ever see the Final Countdown? No, I haven't. Kirk Douglas. It. No. Uh, nuclear aircraft carrier Nimitz pulls out of Pearl Harbor, gets caught in some weird storm. Uh, finds themselves on December 6th, 1941. They have the power to stop the Pearl Harbor attack. Mm. Do they? Can you? And they, they get into these discussions. Well, how do we do this? Uh, Martin Sheen is in it. Re- a lot of really good people. Uh, Charles Durning. And eventually, uh, Kirk Douglas, who's the captain, is, well, I'm just going it, to, it's my job to defend America and follow the directives of the commander-in-chief of the armed forces of the United States, even when that's Franklin Delano Roosevelt, <laughs> Martin Sheen tells <laughs> I'm not here to argue. We just got to do this. Mm-hmm. And they take off to do it. I'll leave it to that. <laughs> but a lot of things you can do with time trials. Nice at King, again, that, that that's like an 1,100-page big book. Yeah. yeah, it's one of his big ones. Um, that's the one thing. Uh, that's why I'm glad it's a TV series, too, because... It's like most people will never get to see the that story, right? Because uh, it's an intimidating book to to pick up and, and read. A lot, much like a lot of his books have been for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, yeah. Every once in a while, I'll do one that's a little bit shorter, but most of the time, they're huge tomes of of books. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited for that. So, uh, yeah, so that's enough of. Uh, oh, Bob, what about you? Did you do anything non comic book related? No, my week? big thing for the weekend was Deadpool. Okay. Yeah. 
All right. It was too cold to go do anything here. It was here. really cold. It was so cold. <laughs> I, I'm sure yeah, Steve. <laughs> well, how about by Canada? I mean, here it was five with the a wind chill of 20 that below. The I came in was monstrously cold. Mm-hmm. Just soup. Like, I, I stepped outside to uh, to meet up with Brahman because she usually just swings into the pickup area. And I was out there for maybe about like 40 minutes or so. And oh, man, it was just, it hit you. Like a, like a thousand hammers of ice the moment you walked yeah. out those doors. As soon as they like rushed open, it was just, ah! Yeah. Um, bitter, too. Like, oh, yeah. like the kind of cold, like I can deal with cold, but the cold that gets into your bones mm-hmm. is the worst. Like even after you get into a warm place and you still can't shake it out, that's the kind of cold it was. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it was like... <sighs> It's like two degrees on Sunday or something like that. Yeah, with winds of about 30 miles an hour. They yeah. said you shouldn't be out for more than 10 minutes at a time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like intense. minus 30, 40 here, mm. but it was oh the hot, God. you know, in, uh, in Celsius. And so mm. I can't tell the difference. I just know that it sounds really cool. <laughs> it sounds really cool. It's like minus 400. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, an, it's absolute like, zero. Like, how, how low is it supposed to go tonight? And, you know, she's all nonchalant. Like, oh, minus 40. I'm like, minus what? And she's like. <laughs> Celsius, honey. I'm like, oh, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. I knew that. Yeah. Uh, subtract 32 and yeah. multiply by, I don't know, five it's like nines point, or nine. Point nine something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I should forget. know by now, but it's just not something that I've I've paid attention to, but maybe I should. I can do it the other way somehow. I don't know. I, I, I feel like if it's below zero Celsius, it's just, you know, it's cold. Yeah. yeah. That's just too, it's too cold. Right. Zero is 32. Yeah, zero is 32. So, yeah, so, that's, yeah, that's cold. Yeah. Numbers are weird, man. Like I come here and they're like, "Oh, it's gonna be 16." I'm like, "It's gonna be what?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you talking? 16? Like, what do I? What kind of clothes do I need to pack? And they're like, "No, no, no." And I have to have it explained to me every damn time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's awesome. It a bomby 16. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. So let's uh let's talk about some comics here. Okay, okay. Let's uh let's put three minutes on this clock, and uh, let's go to Stephen. R. Say Jr. Um, Oh my God, are you? Am I in trouble? Yes. (laughs) Go to your room. (laughs) Using my full name, it's never good. You've got three minutes and go. So I am gonna get my notes up because I didn't know I was first. But uh, I'm really still enjoying all new uh, Wolverine. I have Jonesy open at the moment. I was totally unprepared. My apologies. Jonesy. Jonesy. But um. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I'm all turned around here. Wolverine. Gonna, okay. <laughs> so the deal with all new Wolverine is this issue. Uh, one of the Wolverines. This arc is focusing on Laura running into clones of herself. They're all very deadly, and unfortunately, there's something wrong with them, and they're sick, and and they're dying, and they're trying to to discover a cure, and figure out how to have them not die, because that would be the best option, right? So in order to combat like the nanites and all the things that are going on in the body that they can't uh, heal otherwise, Wolverine goes and steals Ant-Man's suit and in the process runs into Janet Van Dyne who shows up and basically says, if you're taking that equipment out, you're taking me with you because you don't know how to operate it and you you could kill your friend if you use it uh, incorrectly. So it's Wolverine and the Wasp off oh. into you know the the microcosm uh and the body and the battling blood cells and battling robots all inside of this wolverine clone 
and it just continues to like amp up the uh, the bond between the new characters. The action's really good. The the dialogue and the the uh, interactions between Janet and uh, Laura are really solid. And um, Tom Taylor is just doing an excellent job uh, with this book all around. And uh, I know it's been a while since I brought it up, and I just wanted to let people know that it is still good, and you should check it out. Uh, and my other book that I mentioned last week is actually one that I've finished reading the first three issues is Gollum from LRNZ and uh, it's translated by Matt Kennedy and it takes place in a futuristic Italy where pretty much everybody is uh, connected to smart devices and they use like you can go to like a pop or a soda machine and order a new look for yourself and they'll scan you and give you like plastic surgery and crazy stuff right on the spot um what it basically boils down to, because I know I'm running out of time, is two kids whose fathers work for this giant uh, company called Nano9, and they basically have subsidiaries that run the city. Somebody is looking to take out these corporations that are running the city and have kind of created this mask of a perfect world for their society, and they need these prophetic dreams from the one, the boy named Steno, in order to kind of foil this mass conspiracy that's going on within the city and it's really ridiculously beautiful and you should definitely check it out it's from magnetic press all right Steve. awesome that was per- that was exactly three minutes yeah <laughs> nailed it nailed yep. it but yeah i Gollum turned out to be really good cool so i mentioned it last week and didn't have much to say but i've gotten through it and it is i mean visually it's it's positively ridiculous it's uh like one one entire issue is a chase scene, hmm. and it's really kinetic, and there's a lot of motion to the art, and it just it pulls you right into the chase, and and it's it's awesome. Uh, collected so, as a trade or single issues to this. There's going to be a collected version. I'm actually not even sure if there's going to be another single issue. I would imagine that there will be, but it said something about there being only a digital preview before the entire thing is released. Ah. Uh-huh. So these issues are the three that have been available uh, so far, but I'm keeping my eye on it. And uh, Steve, run down the two books again. Uh, All New Wolverine. Okay. And um, Gollum. All right, cool. And Gollum is from what? Uh, it's from Magnetic, Magnetic Press. Magnetic, okay, cool. And uh, LRNZ is the uh, the writer, creator, artist. Nice. Lots of... Um, Really cool, like pencil work and, and watercolors and bold stuff. Very um, Bengal in a way. Cool. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> All right, Joey. Yes. You are up next. Oh God. You have three minutes. Go. Okay. So um, I definitely want to talk about two books that I kind of uh, purchased on a whim. Uh, this past week, um, I was on Comixology and I think I was buying Shaft maybe. Um, and I saw on the list like two books for 99 cents in this whole slew of 2.99, 3.99, 4.99. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the first one is called The House of Montresor from Action Lab. Um, I really, I, I got this one because it was list print for 3.99 and it was digital for 99 cents. So I was like, you know what? That's awesome. Get it. It's based on characters from the cask of Amontillado Ooh. by Edgar Allan Poe. Nice. Um, story by Enrique. 
and letters by Jason Strutz. Uh, the basic premise is that it's kind of like a quasi-sequel to Poe's work. Um, we have a character named Idana Fortunato, the granddaughter of Lord Fortunato, who mysteriously um, goes missing in that <laughs> yeah. short story. I don't want to spoil anything for our middle schoolers out there <laughs> uh, that still need to read that story. Um, she's the heir to the, the estate, as it were, and she's beckoned to the house of Montresor, uh, and that it kind of catches that she must live in the house for one month to claim her inheritance um, and perhaps solve the mystery of the Montresor oh. and Fortunato families from Edgar Allan Poe's original story. Uh, it's creepy. It, the art from Jason Strutz is absolutely gorgeous. It's eerie. It's moody. Um, there are some montage sequences that are take place at like Carnival, and it's like the crackling fire and masks and everything. Um, there's creepy old ladies and and secret entryways. It's a really, um, it's a it's a suspenseful great bit of kind of horror suspense Edgar Allan Poe-esque storytelling um, and to see that done in the comic book um, was really awesome to see speaking as an English teacher but also speaking speaking as someone that you know likes the original story and likes that kind of comic book so The House of Montresor number one from Action Lab um, got that digitally I also got digitally this book called Monologue Number One kind of the same reason it was 99 cents I was like why not it's um from an indie publisher called Millicent Barnes Comics. I think it's a Comixology Submit book by S.J. McCune uh, or Stuart McCune. Um, it's another beautifully illustrated book. Uh, the art is kind of like Fabio Moon Gabriel Ba meets Phil Noto in terms of style. Um, so if you're into that kind of thing, yeah, it's really pretty. Um, it's called Monologue. The whole story is an internal monologue from this um, our main character. Um, it opens with this kind of chase, again, going back to, to Steve's comments from before, uh, very kind of Bonnie and Clyde, Thelma and Louise-esque opening. The protagonist is like, I knew from the first time I laid eyes on Louise that either he was going to defeat me or that I would kill him without mercy or grace. <laughs> and, then, and then the monologue just continues from there. But it, 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 it goes wild. It goes into like uh, trippy flash forward dream sequences. And there's like a, he goes further down the rabbit hole. It's all internal monologue. It's experimental. It's engaging. It was really, really cool. Uh, so two books I picked up on a whim, monologue number one and the House of Montresor number one. Very nice. Could you say whim one more time? Whim. Thank you, Joey. Whim. Excellent. <laughs> Is that not how you say it? No, I just love the way that you do. That's all. <laughs> it's very pronounced. Uh, I want to hear you say wham later. Wham. <laughs> well, you know, during our Deadpool discussion. of Quail. <laughs> I love it. Oh, all right. Bob. Okay. Let's see here. All right, you have three minutes, and go. I'm going to do a hit and run through some of DC's books, and I'm going to lead off with three that might be running down to their demise. Uh, Starfire number 9 finds Corey, Sheriff Stella, and Atlee preparing for a visit to Terra's underground kingdom. Another lighthearted adventure, and art this time around is Elsa Charretier, and it is absolutely spectacular. Black Canary number 8, set in a school founded by Dinah's mother, but is now being used as a combat arena for superheroines as an evil cult, aren't they all? Searches for a special battle technique. Uh, nice guest thought for Vixen in that one, and a really cool issue. Uh, again, Gotham Academy 15 is part two of the yearbook arc, uh, which is centered short on short stories highlighting individual cast members. In this case, it's the teachers. It's okay, but kind of slight in comparison to what the book has been with our regular cast. 
Now, all three of these are rumored to be on the chopping block, although Black Canary may get folded into a new Birds of Prey. We'll talk about that moving mm-hmm. forward here. Um, in other DC rings, DC Bombshell 9, the book is just absolutely incredible, and it just gets better as the story deepens. And the second issue of Harley's Little Black Book has her buying a combination black and red power ring off eBay, and with predictably bad results, as you can imagine. Uh, the cream of the crop uh, was Renee Delis's Legend of Wonder Woman number 2, which carries the story of young Princess Diana into her teen years as she continues to train with Alcipi to learn the ways of the Amazon so she can defend Themyscira against the evil that is coming. And sadly, it's coming from within as court politics are beginning to rear their head. It's beautifully drawn by Ms. Deliz, and her writing is even better. Uh, great exchanges between Hippolyta and Diana as we run down the philosophy of the Amazons and their history. It's just a stunning book. I think there are seven more of those to go. Finally, there's the first issue of a new Shaft miniseries by David F. Walker with art by Dietrich Smith. This one's subtitled Imitation of Life, which I'm sure is a riff on the old movie, which was about living in two different societal worlds. John Chef takes on a missing persons case that he's using to sort of decompress from a tough go on his last outing. And he only finds himself, this time, immersed in New York's gay subculture of the early 70s. This is frank, brutal, and honest to Ernest Tideman's novels. Uh, David F. Walker has this off to a great start, just the way the last one was and finished up. Now, some may be put up, the language here is very adult, uh, both the language in terms of cuss words and some epithets. Hmm. But again, true to the period, but, you know, not to say it's a trigger alert, but just to be careful. Uh, I also did read uh, all new, all different Avengers number five, which was still nothing special, even with a new big villain and a cliffhanger. Bob, you've got, oh, only 15 seconds. I was... Oh, that's so bad. In excess number three, insects number three, very good. Uh, silk, not bad. Uh, Spider Gwen, okay. We'll get to some other stuff later. <laughs> well, that was the whole lightning round. This that was it. good. This book, fine. <laughs> um, of your lightning round books, Bob, which one was your favorite? Uh, Legend of Wonder Woman. Okay. That book is so good. Are you you up to date? Or are you doing digital? Are you ahead of me? Or are you reading? Uh, I'm ahead copies? of you. I'm I'm doing digital. I've read. Probably everything up until the last two. Oh, I'm um, and also DC Bombshells, I'm caught up with and is excellent. Now, Joey, I heard you say you had read Shaft. What did you think? I did. I I'm just really I just really want to follow David F. Walker's kind of year, to mm-hmm. be honest, uh, after his work last year. So I know that you talked highly of of Shaft, um, the Shaft miniseries from last year, right? Yes. Um, and. Uh, so I, I picked it up. I really liked it for the the kind of same similar reasons. Had some of the similar kind of like, oh, that was aggressive, or the, yeah. you know that those kind of responses. But um, I was actually particularly fond of the. Uh, I can't remember who did it actually off the top of my head. Um, uh, Dietrich Smith. Smith. Yes. Yeah, um, I was particularly fond of that. It felt very. Um, it felt kind of pulpy in a very modern kind of way, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Have and you- uh, speaking of David F. Walker, I may or may not, depending on whatever, uh, picked mm-hmm. up Power Man and Iron Fist today from my comic shop. Ooh. I can't confirm that. No. Um, and uh, he, um, that's, I've read the first few pages and it's, it's really, really good. Awesome. So uh, it's nice to see him on that book too. Yeah. Very much looking forward to that tomorrow. Today. Today. today, so you can yes, say you, you can say you picked, it, you picked it up today. 
Time travel. It is a Wednesday, Joey. <laughs> then I may or may not have picked it up yesterday. <laughs> In which case, why am I lying? I picked it up today. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to give, give you an out, Joey. <laughs> he wouldn't take it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I really dug Shaft, and then seeing him work on uh, Power Man Two, Power Man and Iron Fist, I was like, cool. Mm. Um, so Bob, you mentioned a couple of your books, uh, maybe going out the door. Uh, nothing yeah. concrete yet. We 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 DC Rebirth stuff. We they, they released another, an amended image, same mm. teaser image with an, it's a DC Rebirth. It's not a reboot. It never was. So. That's what we. That's, that's all we, we know. know so far. And again, they're supposed to talk about this week. So by the time you hear this, w- what we're saying now could be completely obsolete. Right. And wrong, I'm sure so. they will. Do, they're doing it as we speak. Yeah. So we won't probably spend too much time on this because I. Because again, if it's completely if it's useless in a, in, a, in a day, we don't want to yeah. do too much on it. But Bob, it was an interesting story. So I want you to just kind yeah. of go over. Uh, it Tom Bondurant over at CBR has tried to springboard off of the announcement, saying that this is going to be a reboot. And his uh, article is entitled, DC's Rebirth Roster Could Look Very Familiar. And his postulate is that you know DC is sort of caught between trying to do something to please retailers, being predictable and keep the big sellers and the familiar books, mm-hmm. as well as try something new. And mentions how even you know, the, in the new 52 roster, would you have thought there had been a Blackhawk or a Fury of Firestorm or right. some of the things that they mm-hmm. did? And so he's, he tries to use the April solicitations. And December's sales figures to try to lop off some of the things he thinks will go. So here's an interesting formula. He figures that there are eight series that define DC and will be published until its last printing press crumbles. (laughs) Action, Detective, Batman, Superman, Flash, Green Lantern, Justice League, and Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Then he describes series with multimedia support. So he's thinking... Aquaman because of the movie, mm-hmm. Cyborg, same idea, Green Arrow, and Suicide Squad. I, I see that yes. definitely would go. Then now we start to get a little iffier. Uh, six series with second tier support, starring a character who's part of. Mm-hmm. He mentions Black Canary, though I've heard rumors again that that's going to get folded into a Birds of Prey. Uh, Constantine, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Deathstroke, mm-hmm. yeah. Harley, they're not getting rid of Harley because it's one of their biggest selling books. Will they keep two? Probably, considering. Martian Manhunter, been great in Supergirl. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sort of brought back the character, so that might not have been the case until two weeks um, ago. Go Martian ahead, Manhunter has been fantastic. Right. Like from, from issue issue one to, to current, it's great. Mm-hmm. And the sales haven't been awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, the sales were that started strong and stayed pretty well. So I, I can see that going. Then they're sort of the Bat books, which you figure, okay, Grayson eventually maybe go back to Nightwing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Catwoman, not getting rid of a Catwoman book. Batgirl, mm. you know, digital sales on that are strong. And maybe the Robin, Son of Batman, or maybe they fold everything into sort of Robin books. But that leaves a lot of other stuff. And there are books that they describe as on the bubble, JLA even, which is at 35, which mm-hmm. is pretty low. Batman, Superman, Superman, Wonder Woman, both hovering around 100 on the sales chart. Fold those into a Trinity book, mm-hmm. I think is really likely. Teen Titans, our Earth 2 Society is at 112. Batman Beyond not doing well. Starfire, hideous. Sinestro, worse. Gotham Academy might stick because of digital sales. Hard to say. Secret Six, eh. Justice League 3001, not good. Doctor May, Doctor Fate, Midnighter, and Omega Men both do all doing mm-hmm. miserably. Uh Right. Uh, but again, anything. Doc, Doc State's really good. Right. 
Now he starts to go into, okay, we've got this Legends of Tomorrow show. They're going to print an anthology title. It's going to have Metal Man and a few other things. You're going to start to bring these characters in from the past. People might want to read them. So mm-hmm. a good guess is, what, a Jonah Hex, mm-hmm. a Rip Hunter book. We now have this sort of character, a Hawk book of one kind. Both mm-hmm. of them together, you do the whole time travel. Uh, we've had glimpses of Justice Society stuff in Rip Hunter's time ship. Mm-hmm. And the neat rumor I heard was pull the Justice Society from the past into this present. Now that Grant Morrison's brought back the multiverse, mm-hmm. you can now have a 30-year-old Dr. Fate and not the 80-year-old guy who was dying in Convergence right. back mm. into the future. And you know, why the heck not? So he's thinking maybe it's 10 books a week. Mm. Maybe 11, you throw some a Green Lantern Corps side book, mm-hmm. maybe a Legion of Superheroes, maybe yeah. bring back the Doom Patrol. You try some of these oddball things. Yeah. Let's try Legion of Superheroes again. <laughs> yes. Uh, that it's about time. That, again, it was about time to try Birds of Prey again. It's yeah. been gone a long mm-hmm. time. So his sort of lineup has got some of the expected things. He thinks that Booster Gold's a possibility. Yeah, I think def- I think Booster Gold's yeah. a definite possibility. Um, what are the oddball things he has throwing in there? He likes the demon. I can't see that happening. They've mm. tried that a number of times. and. Great character, but I don't know. Um, he, uh, Sergeant Rock. They tried that nice. in the New Fifty Two. Yeah. They they had the the GI Combat book, mm-hmm. which was partly a Sergeant yeah. Rock book. Because he is also supposed to, rumored to be on a, a Legends mm-hmm. of Tomorrow when they go back into World War Two. Maybe oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, maybe <laughs> some mystical stuff. So Demon Inspector, maybe they do a an anthology of those sort of things might yeah. be interesting. Uh Vixen who appears in Black Canary, that mm-hmm. could be and you were saying she's in Arrow? She's a, she's in the Arrow universe. They they do an animated show on the uh on like the CW, I think it's called CW Seed or something like that. It's a mm-hmm. like their online sort of network. They they show it there. Um always with the kind of the promise that they, that character will so, yeah. at some point be live action in Arrow. So Again, this is all Good speculation. You know, it's, it's coming from what they're already saying there's going to be in April mm-hmm. and what books we're not selling. So mm-hmm. anybody have any ideas of something they think might find a way to stick? If they look, this is sort of 44 books we sort of rampage through. Mm-hmm. They went to 52 again because that's the rumor. They'll end everything at 52 and, and go go for one. Go for one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which would make sense. I mean, 52 is a good amount of issues. It's certainly yeah. sticking yeah. longer on that stuff than, than Marvel has been yes. to do over, over the last couple of years. Um, of where we get to, I think it's like seven and then yeah, <laughs> it's, time yeah. to, it's time to re restart everything over again. But I, I think that, I mean, I, I don't know if I have anything to add. I think definitely a Supergirl book, uh, an ongoing mainline yeah. Supergirl book, I think is is, is a shoe in at this point. I mean, speaking of those characters from Legends of Tomorrow, I, th- I think the Atom, I think you could definitely yeah. see an Atom book uh, at some point. I mean, maybe they do some sort of inspired by the TV show, but the comic book versions do a sort of team up Legends of book called Legends yeah. of Tomorrow. I, I think it's a smart idea to try to capitalize on any sort of name recognition you might have. And that team can be at whatever you want it to be. They can cycle things out. It can be like the brave and the bold, but be, you know, be something else, which is sort of what Legends of Tomorrow is yeah. in, in some ways, I think would be a good idea. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I'm more fascinated to know what they're going to be doing with the, the, the assured titles you know like after 52 like what is the flash going to be what is green lantern going to be mm-hmm. is it still going to be robert venditti and or 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 is it going to be somebody else you know are they going to are they going to be doing all new teams because i think that yeah i think that part of the problem with with all new all different marvel is that is a lot of them are the same 
teams that were there before and so it doesn't have that fresh feeling that like marvel now had for mm-hmm. for, for instance and not that i wanted some of those, i'm glad some of those books have stayed the teams they are because yeah. I, I didn't want them to be gone but i think that's part of the problem i think that you, you keep the same people on you can't help feel like this is just the way it used to be so if they're going to do this and not re- i don't think I, I i definitely don't think they're going to reboot the continuity but you don't have to do that to go back to number one. You can go to number one mm-hmm. and just put new teams on it and make the first issues easier for people to to sort of get into without resetting everything. I think getting new teams on all of this stuff would make sense. On some of the major books, there are instant hooks Yeah. to restart. Batman yes. takes back Bruce Wayne is Batman again. Yeah. Superman gets his powers back. Mm-hmm. The whole Wonder Woman thing disappears mm-hmm. and you bring that back to where it is. Yeah. So those story arcs, and, and they were always, the day I was talking about, it's more about story than continuity. Mm-hmm. So we go back to telling the the classic characters in a classic way. Yeah, and that could be what they've been setting up now for the last year. Yeah, I mean, does I don't know. Does John stay on Justice League? I would assume he hasn't mentioned anything about leaving, and he's mm-hmm. talked about plans, you know, for, for that book. So I, I think he stays. Um, but the other stuff, I don't know. You know, obviously we know Snyder Campulo are are done. Yeah, at fifty one, um, one one issue. Off yeah, yeah. for me, um, we it, it actually just tweeted about it. James Tinian is going to be James Tynan, never yeah, said the name yeah. right, is going to be <laughs> writing f- 52. Um, huh. and he says it think of it as almost like a backup story to Capullo and Snyder's entire run or something oh. like that. Oh, nice, yeah. So, and Raphael Albuquerque will be doing the art on it, so Ooh, it, it'll be gorgeous. That's good stuff, <laughs> it'll look great. Um, so yeah, I I I think fifty two ends it, and then we see. What go- I mean, Superman. Who knows? I mean, do do we is Pack gonna stay on action, or are they gonna bring somebody new onto action? We further remember that Batman's gonna turn into a weekly or bi weekly book at this point, Ooh. like two, 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 yeah. uh, twice a month. Um, uh, there's been a couple rumors of people to to write it or something, but not uh, not anything concrete. So I don't know. I don't know. What do you What do you think, Joey? I have no idea, but that was kind of my question too. Like rattling off the books and going through all of these, it's like, well, who's going to be, who are they getting? Who who are they getting to to do this? Because that's kind of where the excitement is. You know, these characters in these comics are going to exist in various iterations wherever. But I think what what people get excited about now, um, especially those of us that kind of follow along, is who's on the book? Who's who's the writer or the artist that has never done this character? Who's never mm-hmm. done you know. Um, uh, you know, drawn this this character. You know, that's like, like um, you know, when they got Ramita to do Superman, or, or they got Jeff Lemire over at Marvel. Mm-hmm. The things that that really shake it up more so than I think, you know, putting a rebirth on the cover or something like that. <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know that that'll be the that'll be on every cover. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, one hundred percent for but five years. But the, the names at the bottom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve, do you have any characters that you'd really like to see? What make uh, have their own books? Yeah, have their own books or a team that would you like you know um, something that maybe hasn't been around or or you know maybe is potentially being canceled or has been around that you haven't been into. I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of. I mean, right now, look, looking at the, I'm kind of scrolling through the list as we're talking and mm-hmm. looking at some of the stuff that's potentially going to be going away. Um, I'm a little upset to see that uh, we are Robin as part of this uh, like chopping block, so to yeah. speak, and. Um, I'm more curious as to, you know, like you guys were saying, like creatively, what teams are going to be put on these books, but also to see where some of these uh, characters, his books are going away, where they end up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, in terms of like rattling off names off the top of my head, I don't know if I've got anything for you at the moment. Um, 
but I'm I'm in the mood for a good old fashioned shake up, man. Like bring it on. I would love to to have a whole bunch of new uh teams to look forward to writing uh these characters and stuff. And you know, like we talked about a couple weeks ago with Capullo and uh Snyder leaving Batman, like does James Tynan then take over? Like is this kind of like a a precursor to what's to come? Like I'm just I'm excited for the announcements. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like and you said like what's the flash going to be like, mm-hmm. you know, are they going to do a demon book? Are they going to continue with Catwoman kind of doing this mafia run that she's having? That's been, you know, really well received, or are they going to try to put her entirely back in the suit and doing, you know, all the, the heisting and all that stuff. And uh, I don't know, man, I'm excited. I'm, I'm trying not to get too involved in it until it's like confirmed. Mm-hmm. But um, no, it's good stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I where uh, in other times that I've been trepidatious about change, I'm I'm kind of in the mood for one and to see what happens with uh, some of the stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I I do like that. I mean, ho- I mean, I'm saying this not knowing if this is going to happen or not. But uh, if they just if they just go okay, fifty two, and then we're going to go back to one, and there's no, you know, huge. St- you know, universe spanning event that gives them a re I, I would, I would just, I, I'm very happy if they just go, okay, it's 52 natural place to, to end what we, what we've been mm-hmm. doing. Let's start it. We're going to start again at one and we're just going to go from there and new teams, you know, same yeah. continuity, whatever, whatever like, it might restored be. Stored character arcs and right, yeah, put, yeah. put the pieces back in a way without changing everything. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Let's just, and I, I hope they make an effort to make every number one easy for people who don't Absolutely. read the books to do. Cause I, like, I can deal with, as a, somebody who knows the characters now, I can deal with an issue or two of some pipe laying in order for it to be a, a series that makes sense to, to go back to number one. Because if it's just number yeah. one and name only, then that's just a marketing ploy. And that's, I mean, look, uh, you know, uh, Matt said it on the, Matt Fraction said it on the show last week, you know, no company is doing it to do the right thing. They're doing it to make yeah. money. So they need to right. make money, obviously. And DC obviously is having some problems right now with, with getting a, a, a toehold. But if this can get them back and you get quality books on top of that, mm-hmm. I'll be very, very happy to yeah, see that happen. Yeah, there's so many books that have been done really well over the last six, eight months mm-hmm. that right. are struggling. Yeah, yeah and absolutely. And so if starting them up again gets 20,000 extra readers on a book that deserves it, great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, uh, oh, go ahead, Bob. I'm no, sorry. I was going to say one thing. This is a, a kind of a like, it's, it's in this ballpark, but it's sort of like a random aside that I don't think that they'll do. But I did, I really liked the DC universe presents thing they did for like the first, I think it was the first year of the new 52. Mm-hmm. They did the dead man series. They did a couple yep. of other ones. I really liked them doing that. Them doing like this, these little, you know, maybe sometimes it was six issues. Sometimes it was two issues. Sometimes it was a single issue, but like just of characters that weren't going to get their, their own series. They couldn't really carry their own series, but you got to get a creator. Like I think it was Paul Jenkins was on the dead, the dead yep. man one. Like that's a, you get somebody who obviously loves the character. who's a great writer comes in there, writes six issues and then gets to go. And that character maybe gets a pop from those six issues or, or whatever. So yeah. I, I hope they have a book like that in, in, in their reboot, but uh, in their rebirth. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, Steve, you're going to say, yeah, no, just in, in keeping in mind what you were like, any stuff that I'd like to see, it'd be nice to see that Lois Lane book. Finally, um, yeah. come to fruition and, and be a That'd regular be awesome. thing. Yeah. Um, I would also maybe give uh, Batwoman another turn. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, even like if with uh, Shiara being in Legends of Tomorrow, it'd be cool to see a, a Hawkgirl solo or maybe even a team-up book. Yeah. Uh, Zatanna would be another great mm-hmm. solo book kind of in, in the vein of uh, Constantine. Mm-hmm. 
you know, kind of dealing with the the magical underworld, maybe even like a Doctor Strange type of vibe to it. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, I mean, though, just off the top of my head, maybe a Captain Cold book because that would just be yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the world could always use a little bit more Captain yeah. Cold. A little, a, they could <laughs> do a rogues, book. a rogues book. I think they could do a rogues book. I just, I just love that he's even a thing now. <laughs> like before before The Flash came to air, you n- nobody was like, oh man, Captain Cold. But now because of Wentworth Miller, yeah. he's like one of the coolest rogues <laughs> in all of DC's, you know, library because of because of the personality on him in that show. I've always been about Captain Cold, Steve. I know you have. I love I'm Captain Cold. Wentworth Miller helped me to see the light. Okay, well, <laughs> Wentworth Miller is genius. Yes, yeah, so as that character, he's so good. I love that. and Heat Wave is is fantastic yeah. in that too. Yeah, um, I'm, Solomon Grundy book. <laughs> Born on a Monday. <laughs> It'd be very short. <laughs> yeah, we don't have like to worry Groot, about like the Groot book. Yeah, Solomon Grundy. There's a team up. Mm-hmm. Cross company <laughs> crossover. Yeah. 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 Solomon Grundy and Groot. What about you, Bob? What do you really? What would what, you hope uh, to see? Uh when they brought back the Metal Men, mm-hmm. when Jeff Johns did mm-hmm. a great job with them in that mm-hmm. Justice League, they only used them that one time, really. Yeah. Uh, they are going to be in the Legends of Tomorrow for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! I'd love to see a classic Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm with Steve on Zatanna. I loved what Paul Dini was doing before that could cancel for the new 52. And they are heading down that road if they're going to do, keep Constantine. So I'd go with that, too. That's probably about it. Most of the ones I'd like to see are sort of on this list. Mm-hmm. Justice Society, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Just so want to see them back. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be really nice n- nice to see. I, I would be into that. Any other books? Like I, I've been really loving the Constantine book. So I don't know what this means for, for a book like that. You know, um, do do they put everything back at number one? Do they put only books that have gotten you know high in numbers back to number one? I don't. We don't obviously have no idea what they're going to be doing. Well, but. they also mentioned you know later on in this year we're getting to books with really big numbers. Yeah. Um, Superman's thirty two issues away from eight hundred. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wonder Woman thirty three from seven hundred. Batman thirty four from eight hundred. Yeah. There's no question those numbers are going to get those no- oh, yes. big numbers on the books, and there'll be 10 bucks. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, when they did Action, I mean, Detective 600 or whatever it yeah. was, they they put 600 on the on the book. Yes, they'll absolutely do it. One of the funny, one of the, my funnier experiences, because over the past week, I, for obvious reasons, I've been kind of looking into Deadpool stuff, and there's so many, <laughs> there's like so many like fake big numbered issues in the run. One of, I think it was like the 30th issue was like Deadpool number 900 or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember that. I found very humorous. There's one like like Deadpool number thousand or or whatever. There's been there's been some some funny some funny stuff like that. But yeah, I mean there's some big big numbers coming up yeah. for those books, and we'll we'll have to see. But yeah, I'm excited to see what what happens w- with it because if they can do right by some of those characters, I mean it's it's obviously a big period of change for them too. But I I, I think it's time for they obviously have to do something because even the good books they're they're running aren't mm-hmm. making a lot of headway. And some of it is just the way the business is right now yeah. with how sales are calculated and mm-hmm. variant covers and all the rest of it. But they have quality merchandise. They mm-hmm. really made some positive changes Yeah, that seem to be reader-friendly mm-hmm. and store-friendly at the same time, and yet it didn't didn't stick. Yeah, uh, and You have to say, well, do, do you challenge everything you do? Mm-hmm. But then do you throw the baby out with the bathwater? They're really good books that yeah, you know, they're, they're all going to be yeah. out in the bubble. It's, it's, it's really tough. It's a really, really tough thing to do. We'll see. We'll support them. Well, yes. If, yeah, if the books yeah. are good, I will definitely yep. support them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I'm getting more and more. This, the, the reality is dawning me more and more that this whole 
Bat- Snyder Batman thing is almost over. <laughs> it's getting so close. Um, all right, so I'm gonna do my lighting room real quick, and then we'll we'll move on here. Um, all right, so I mentioned doing uh, some Deadpool stuff. I went back and I read um, on Marvel Limited issues one through six of the uh, Jerry Dugan, Brian Posehn, uh, Tony Moore uh, first six issues of that run, the Dead Presidents run, um, nice. and I uh, had a great time with it. I you know the the, the art is gorgeous, uh, it's funny, and it, it's very clever, and you know. It's very clever when it needs to be, and in, and the right kind of stupid when it when it also needs to be. Uh, not every joke works for me, and sometimes it's a, it's 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 a lot. There's a lot of jokes being thrown at one time, but much like I think all of the stuff that is Deadpool at its best, that's kind of comes with the, the territory in a lot of ways. But it's I still prefer I think the Cullen Bunn uh, miniseries is over over this this version of the character. But uh, revisiting it now and, and reading it in a lump, it was it was a really fun, nice uh, six issue experience. Um, and then I mentioned this a ago, but Batman number 49 came out. Uh, this was Scott Snyder, James Tynan, and uh, 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 Yannick Paquette on, uh, on art. And um, the the sort of big thing that we've been waiting to happen for, for a, a couple issues now, it happened. Um, but more than just that event happening and, and sort of giving a an all new painful, uh, you know, origin to, to a character... Um, it 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 is an absolutely drop dead gorgeous book uh by Paquette. I mean we get this really amazing sort of idyllic internal world that sort of this new Bruce has of what Batman can be if, if he retakes the mantle and it's it sort of how it collides with what the actual what you actually have to be in order to be Batman and it's uh, the way I best way I can describe it is it's Morrison esque in in the way uh, that it's yeah. it's completely insane and crazy, and also uses some of like those characters and stuff from that he used in his run, but it, it's it's just a really really stupendous issue. Um, I I I I understand that James Snyder had a lot to do with it because Snyder obviously is is working hard on like the the fifty six page issue fifty of the book or whatever it's going to be. So there's a lot going on there. But it was a wonderful issue and didn't it didn't even with a different artist and you know a, a co writer it did not miss a beat. I think from the the way the run's been going. Um, it, and it brings it brings Bruce back into the fold in a way that I think is is very organic feeling and feels very earned there's there's he earns what 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 the resolution of this issue is in a really real way which i don't think you'd really expect anything less from him on this run but i have to say like this whole super heavy arc has been a really wonderful way for them to sort of say goodbye to to the book and i i can't wait to read 50 and then he says that 50 is gonna be crazy and 51 is gonna be a more of a sort of like um quiet sort of love letter to the fans and, and to everything so um excited to read both of those but it's it was really a completely excellent issue and i'll say it again yannick paquette gorgeous it was such a gorgeous book to look at so uh Indeed. really great yeah so happy and sad at once yes happy and sad at once uh steve did you read it i didn't i brought oh. it with me but i didn't get to it when i was on the plane gotcha and, and joe you're not a batman reader right no, but I love Yannick Paquette. Yeah, it's just anything that is—it's just so good. It's it's pretty gorgeous. It's a pretty gorgeous book. So, yeah, look look, it's we're almost at the end, and then we'll see what what goes on. I don't, I'm interested to see what Snyder does after after this. If if he goes over to another there are rumors, there are rumors. He said he won't work on Batman without Capullo. Yeah, 
So I, I, I don't buy. I just don't buy the going to detective rumor. I don't buy it. It just seems like too much of a. Two on the nose. Two on yeah, the nose. Yeah. Like what? You know. What is he gonna say? I can imagine. I can see him doing six issues on Detective for with Capullo in, in a couple of in you know, in a year when Capullo's done with the Mark uh, Miller stuff and whatever else he's doing. But I can't. I can't see Snyder doing that week a month after month unless it's unless Gotham Central. <laughs> well, the one part of the rumor I heard a secondary little bit mm. to it was it would focus on Batman as Detective. The reason to right. do that, and it wouldn't even start over there. He wouldn't start for six months or so. I mean, that might be absolutely yeah. true. I mean, I, I could see it maybe if the book also changed protagonists, if it wasn't just Batman all the time, mm-hmm. if they kind of changed it around. I could see that as well. You know, but part of me is like, if Snyder's going to break from the Batman book, I'd like it to break and just do something else. Um, but, you know, obviously, if he does more Batman, I'm not going to complain yeah, about right. it. But uh, <laughs> that's just, you know, my 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 thought he, he's done it for five years at this point six years if you count the mm-hmm. black mirror stuff so it, it, you it's I, I would like to see him kind of stretch his legs on another character um and do something there but he he's talked a lot about others you know stories he wants to do with a bunch of villains and stuff from the the dcu so captain I, cold <laughs> no. solomon grundy <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of batman villains he's talking legion about legion of super pets <laughs> solomon grundy um, calendar man calendar man calendar man's a good villain it's a good villain uh, all right, so let, let's let's move on from that. My, Batman forty nine right. and uh, Deadpool one through six, the Marvel Now stuff. So like two thousand and twelve, I think is when it started. Two thousand and twelve. That sounds about right. I think that's right. Yeah. Two thousand and twelve. Uh, that's when that what that one is from. Uh, all about the, all that Deadpool stuff is on Marvel Unlimited. So if you want to check that out, you can check that out there. Their site is pretty tough to navigate. Oh, the, I gotta the, tell it's, you, it's a horrible it's a horrible <laughs> site to navigate. Even even the the app on the iPad, it's 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 really tough. Like I, Marvel, yeah, Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. yeah. When you're when you are looking for like, like I, I was looking at the Joe Kelly Deadpool run and the order in which they put it in when you go to that, because you can, I I do like that you can go to Deadpool, and then you can go to individual creators within the Deadpool section. So you could go, I want to look at Deadpool now. I want to look at everything that, you know, um, Danny Way wrote. I want to look at everything that Colin Bunn wrote. I want you can look at everything that somebody colored you know a certain colorist but uh, you know so i i clicked on joe kelly and it's like issue 38 is like the first one that comes up and then it's like 27 16 13 yeah uh, you know and 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 then yeah one it's one's at the bottom but it's one two three four five six seven eight 16 18 22 13 14 you know it i i don't I don't yeah, understand. They haven't, they haven't tagged those middle issues yet, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't understand, but they have obviously tagged them with the number because the number yeah, is there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it should just be in order of the of their numbering. You know, I, I remember I was, I, I it's gotten better than it was because I remember I was trying to read something back like when it, when it when it first in that first sort of six months it first came to the iPad and they just I was reading some run I think it was maybe a, I think oh, I think it maybe was like Brendis Daredevil or something. And yeah. then just right in the middle of it, it, there was like actual like Stan Lee Daredevil number eleven or, or whatever. And I'm, I'm like, why is this here? Because <laughs> I'm looking through it, I'm like, oh, this. Oh, they did like a retro cover for this. Nope, no, that's no, Wallywood. Sorry, yeah, yeah, Gene Colin. Yeah, Colin. Yeah. I'm like, I don't understand how this happens in, in in this grouping of stuff. Yeah, it's a great, it's a it's a wonderful database and a wonderful idea, and for the most part, works pretty well. But what, but 
the ease the ease of use is is very low no, on I, it. I was yeah. just playing with especially it, especially for the old stuff. Yeah, especially for the old uh, stuff. I was looking for old stuff. Mm-hmm. Someone was asking about Captain America and mm-hmm. what runs. You know what what I would recommend. So it was the Engelhart stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I finally throw up my hands and surrender. I don't know that it's on there. It turns yeah. out that I, I, Kara from, from our forums, mm. no, she found them all. They're there. It's like, well, I'm just clueless. <laughs> but <laughs> you, you, I, I have the numbers, and I can, I can type yeah. in number 153, and it doesn't come up, but yeah. it's there? Yeah. Well, well, stop. It's very strange. It's a very strange thing. And again, it's a ton of books, and I understand that there's like a lot of cataloging and a lot of, of, a lot of work to be done, but if you're going to charge money for something right you, you should at least have it in someone in, in order right. see if you go to the, the marvel wikipedia pages mm-hmm. or the or the marvel.com and type in the numbers they seem to work yeah you can actually find things they even put the volume numbers in for mm-hmm. you volume one is the original ones from the silver age and so on and so forth yeah. golden age of case of cap and the unlimited doesn't work the same one mm. doesn't have the same search engine no i guess not it's crazy i guess not yeah maybe it's just one guy in like a a big room and he's just doing all of the coding yes. himself you know <laughs> yeah the, the fellow that lauren always talks about ryan you know agent yeah. m he, agent it really m, yeah. is he's just sitting there in the back of yeah. a room with yeah. like bob crashing like, guys stop picking on me yeah yeah I mean, I, I, I would assume it is probably a pretty small team that, that's working on yeah. it because it seems like right. a pretty big like kind of like passion thing for whoever the people are that want it to get done but it's sometimes it's just like you know, they, need, they, they need someone like me mm-hmm. see old guy with boxes mm-hmm. <laughs> put this book here you scan that do yeah. that one computer stuff here's what you gotta do and sometimes they do a great thing like when they do like the character spotlights and stuff like that they do a mm-hmm. good job I think of, of sort of getting stuff together for that but I, I, I do find it's like it's they do like a Deadpool thing obviously this time so you click on it and it's like oh here's like the first appearance of, of the character like oh great that's perfect it's one issue then like here's the first miniseries but it's just the first issue of the first uh... miniseries why wouldn't you just put them all yeah in, in there you know it, it, it's, it's, it's a weird thing because there's no guarantee that when I go to 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 that issue that that the next one's gonna be easy to find you know yeah. most of the time the read next thing works but sometimes it just doesn't work sometimes you, it just is not yeah. there sometimes pages don't load oh <laughs> like a page right in the middle of the book just won't load no the <laughs> thing that that bugs me and it happens generally with digital sometimes frequently but um the 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 wording the lettering is outside of the bubble oh yeah <gasps> like yeah. it's like the layer is off mm-hmm. oh that's heartbreaking yeah. <laughs> Uh, so end up griping about Marvel Unlimited. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, Bob, tell me about tell me about the Ultimates book you've been uh, loving. I and this one's even better. It's Ultimates number four. Al Ewing, Ken Roquefort, uh, colors by Dan Brown, letters by its VCs Joe Sabino. Mm. So there you go. This book is just amazingly cosmic and big, but still personal because every character has these moments where you see their personalities, their fears. Their aspirations for where this is going, and it's such a wonderful mix of, of characters. We have Ms. America and Captain Marvel, the Black Panther. Galactus is still hanging around in his new in his new outfit, and multiple timelines and dimensions. At Adam Brashear, the Blue Marvel, they go into the neutral zone because back when he was he's an older character. Let's just leave it. He's lived a very long time. Back in the war, you know, someone he saved who didn't want to leave him behind gets changed, and he has to go find him and bring him back. And we go around and around in that one of those time travel-y things, <laughs> and it is heartbreaking. And his heartbreak over what happened and what he needs to do transmits to his team as they start to feel it too. So it really is a superior team book, mm-hmm. as he wrote with 
the Mighty Avengers, where you really felt their family was building. We're only four issues in, and it's you just love what what's going on here. Uh, nice shock ending here, sort of ties into what has come before. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and just look, this is now my Avengers book. They call this the ultimate. These are the Avengers for me. <laughs> this has the feel of. Mm-hmm classic whether it's it, you want to go back to Engelhardt or stan or anybody else kurt music this reads like an avengers book it's giant things consequences and different sorts of heroes interacting the avengers were, it was always like cap thorn iron man great but it was those secondary characters with the vision and the scarlet witch what was going on with them or wonder man and the beast later on and this book has that feel for me joey it sounds like you were having fun reading this one too yeah, it's so funny you just mentioned Kurt Busiek because now I see it and I can't unsee it okay. you know, um, with this book. And, you know, we bandy about the term cinematic kind of comic book storytelling all the time. But like what Roquefort and, and Ewing – Roquefort, right? Ken Roquefort? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, what Roquefort and Ewing are doing here is just like so, so grand. You know, like I, I turn some of these pages and it's just like I can't – believe like some of the imagery and some of the kind of energy um on on some of these these panel layouts and some of these illustrations um and it's funny because like this issue um they go out they go out of the ship and uh blue marvel takes i want to say cap captain marvel and um with him with her with him and they put on these suits and i'm like those suits are awesome they're like (laughs) armor suits and Mm -hmm. it's like now i want to see captain marvel in this metal armor suit all the time like it's the coolest thing so like rocafort is at the top of his game here and um yeah like you said al ewing just has this way of making the cosmic personal um and that last page is just like i was i literally said out loud i was like oh shit like i was not expecting that um (laughs) and yeah i really love it and uh i think yeah totally totally great book more people will pick it up from our recommendations because it's really deserving of uh, however big an audience it has, it needs more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Riot. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's going to get canceled. We know that. Get, it'll get to six issues in a trade and that'll be it. I mean, even if you look at the cover, it's like, oh, yeah. This monster tentacle thing and Captain Marvel, it looks like, I know she's like flying, but it looks like she's running up a tentacle. Yeah. I think she is. I definitely think she is. Steve and I both picked this separately as one of our covers of the week. <laughs> Steve, did you end up reading it yet? Which? The Ultimates. No. No, okay. I actually haven't read it since the first one. Um, I brought Again, I brought them with me, but um, that first issue like really read kind of like a Hickman book in terms of it just being heavy. Like it was, it was very information heavy that the panels were really like full and and i i i have to kind of ready my brain to sit down <laughs> and get caught up with that it has this looming epicness to right. it that i i haven't quite been in the mood for but i am still collecting it and i'm and i'm looking forward to it a lot i tell you reading four of them in a row is going to blow your mind <laughs> that's Literally. kind of what yeah. i'm hoping for yeah. I'm, I'm actually very content to to wait and uh just check it out all in one shot very cool very very cool yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm saying no to everything that you asked me tonight. It's all right, Steve. It's, I, I forgive you. It's, it's all right. It's cold. It's, all right. it's, it's minus 400 degrees over there. Yeah. <laughs> I can only turn so many pages. <laughs> um, I'm going to come back to you all in one piece. Uh, frozen, frozen piece. Frozen. <laughs> Let it go, Joey. 
So Joey, you had a, you had several books that you on on the list that you were like, I might talk about this, I might talk about that, I might talk about this. Did you settle on something that you really wanted to talk about? Dude, I'm gonna talk about Jonesy. Okay. Do it. Steve's favorite book of the week. Uh, and mine. And mine apparently. <laughs> yeah. Inside inside email jokes. That <laughs> email I was like, we're gonna fight. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um Jonesy uh was um uh Boombox, one of the Boombox books. Boombox also brought you Teen Dog, one of my favorite books of all time. Um <laughs> <laughs> Sam Humphreys uh, on writing, Caitlin Rose Boyle on art, colors by Mickey Quinn, letters by Corey Corey Breen. Um, like I said, another Boom Boom Studios book. This one, with the Boom Box, very Teen Dog, very Giant Days. That's kind of the the solicits make it clear. Like if you like Giant Days or Teen Dog, you might like Jonesy. So I was like, hell yes, I'm gonna pick up Jonesy. Um, it's spunky. It's funny. We have our our main character Jonesy. She's in she's a school high school student and it's valentine's day and she's like f valentine's day she doesn't say that because it's a, it's an it's kind of an all ages book kind of but <laughs> she doesn't actually say f valentine's day that, that doesn't happen but she doesn't like valentine's day um so she's like you know she tries to bust up the the annual buy a rose for your crush kind of fundraiser thing and and the kind of hijinks and hilarity um ensue from there um i was really impressed with this book i thought it, i i laughed it was really funny um i love the kind of style of artwork it is very i keep bringing up teen dog adventure time that kind of cartoon-esque kind of aesthetic there um she, there's some great scenes where she like screams jump in jehoshaphat like that's like her her um catchphrase i guess and it's just it was charming I, I thought the book was really charming um i really liked seeing a book like this from sam humphreys who i only know from star lord over at marvel and i was like okay jonesy right mm-hmm. um so it's very um it reminded me a lot of scott pilgrim in a lot of ways especially in terms of the coloring of it and well, coloring scott pilgrim but uh you know um uh, in terms of the illustration there, uh, like I said, I think it was charming. I really liked the book. It's a four-issue miniseries, so I'll probably stick around with it um, just because I did have so much fun with it. Um, and, yeah, I really liked it. But, Steve, I know you said that you were kind of on the fence about it or didn't like yeah, it as much I mean, as I did. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't mean to come off so negatively. No, it's fine. Out. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't sound no. fine, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's funny. Like, like I, I read it, and that's exactly what I had in mind while reading it was Teen Dog, where it was just one of those things where I read it, and I guess some of the humor and some of the dialogue wasn't really my speed, and I left it knowing that I could either wait for it to be to be traded and, and read it all together, or that I might just pass on it in general. Um I just, like, not, not all the jokes landed for me. I do like the art. I think the art's a lot of fun. Um it is interesting how every now and again I'll come across comic book characters that in a lot of ways remind me of Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> and there's definitely a couple of moments where Jonesy pulls Steph-like uh, tendencies. And uh, the that aspect of it was a lot of fun. And like, oh my God, like, what was it? One of the One of the final things that she says when she kind of reveals her plan and she's got this sinister looking like cackling laugh and there's hearts beating out of her eyes and it's like, <laughs> close and she's like and i'm the one to do it me jonesy <laughs> and, like, <"Wah." laughs> 
And I'm like, oh my god. They it's like 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 a group of people spied on Stephanie for, <laughs> for a number of, of uh of weeks or months and just made a character based on some of her traits and distributed it to a bunch of different creators and and publishers and said this is this is a person that you want to put on your pages. <laughs> um, so in that regard, I had a lot of fun reading it, but I just I just don't know how much staying power uh, it had for me when um, when I had left the book. Mm. Uh, what does look cool though is in the back there was a pretty healthy uh, sneak preview of uh, Goldie Vance from oh, Holt Larson awesome. and Brittany Williams, uh, which looked really really neat, kind of like a uh, almost like Indiana Jones ish. Um, but like big, big, big locations, big characters, people of color, uh, the artwork for it is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, very kind of like, I don't know, maybe action labby in a way. Yeah. I don't know. It it looks, it looks beautiful. Did you check that out, Joey? I read the preview. I felt the same way. I was like, first of all, I was like black female protagonist. I'm in. That's awesome. Um, and Hope Larson too. Yeah, yeah, I felt the same way. Um, I didn't. I, I didn't. I, did you see when it was coming out? Uh, I'm looking at it right now. In stores, April 26th. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was neat. Really, the the art is really what's what's catching my eye about it. I love the character designs and the color work. It's like these like really soft uh, like pinks and and blues to make up kind of like this tropical setting in a way i mean i know they're inside of a building but it's got that kind of like old school hotel actually like tropical hotel vibe about it almost like a like a resort cool what, what's the name of that book again it is called i gotta go back a few pages uh goldie vance okay and it's from boom nice boom fox original series nice the diversity and, uh, there is nuts. You know, we got Jonesy, you got Teen Dog, you got this Goldie Vance, like everything. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, but like Boom is really trying to like, if you don't like this, we got this, you know, yeah. and they're just doing a really good job with, with all of that. So I want another, um, what was it? Uh, the Imagine Agents? What was that book called? Yeah, that was Imagine. I think it was called The Imagine Agents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. supposed to be making a movie out of that, the mm. last I'd heard. Mm. And um, had some really interesting people. I'm going to look that up. Imagine Agents. Uh, I think the guy that wrote – I did a review for um, Bill and Ted's uh, Go to Hell for, uh, <laughs> for today, Wednesday. I think the guy that wrote that, Brian Joins, did Imagine Agents. Yes, he totally did. Yeah. So Bill and Ted Go to Hell, another, yeah. another winner this week. Um, oh, that starts this week? Yep. Nice. Yeah, boom and boom has like they are gonna clean up with that Power Rangers license book. Yo, that, yeah, I knew it. Yeah. Michael Keaton to produce and star in Imagine Agents uh, comic. This was June and back in June 2015. Michael Keaton. Yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> Michael Keaton to produce. This is from uh, well, uh, it's from the Hollywood Reporter. Maybe I gotta keep searching. No, Hollywood Reporter is reputable. Yeah, it's a real. Yeah, real uh, who am I thinking? Yeah. Of I don't know who you're thinking of, but Hollywood Reporter. I'm of the rags. Yeah, yeah, Hollywood Reporter and Variety <laughs> are the two kind of like. Trades real, of record real. in in Hollywood. So, All right. not the Inquirer. Sure the Hollywood Inquirer. Inquirer right? No, 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 not the Inquirer. <laughs> the Hollywood Star. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Jonesy though. Jonesy. Jonesy. Cool. Dad jokes. There's some dad jokes in Jonesy that are that are just riotous. <laughs> dad jokes are a thing. <laughs> what is? It? Can you, uh, Joey, tell, tell me what? a dad joke? 
uh, I, I got a, I don't know where my copy of the book is, but <laughs> I don't have any dad jokes off, off the cuff here. Yeah. Um, but the thing I love, like he'll, <laughs> Jonesy will kind of flash back and be like, oh, my dad tells me these jokes. And then it'll flash back to his dad telling her these jokes. But what's wonderful is like he makes puns with the word niña, right? She's she's Latina. Yep. So, so she he makes puns. He'd be like, I have a phenomenon niña joke for you. And it's just <laughs> it's so charming and endearing. So I just, yeah. I, the, the book had me at hello. Hey, hey, what would you play in Las Vegas? A slot machine <laughs> <laughs> Here, here, Bobby already hates this book. Yeah. You know, it's all right. Here are some other here are some other dad jokes, not from Jonesy, but just so people get the idea of what a dad joke is and get they don't know. Did you hear about the guy who invented lifesavers? They say he made a mint. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. Um, a ham sandwich walks into a bar and orders a beer. A bartender says, "Sorry, we don't serve food here." <laughs> That's oh, an man. old classic. There you go. <laughs> Those are dad jokes. That's money. The podcast is on fire. What time did the man go to the dentist? 2.30. Oh. oh. I remember that one in highlights when I was in yeah, the doctor yeah. when I was like 1962 or yeah, something exactly. like that. Yeah. You ever notice how dentists have the worst jokes and they take advantage of you when you're getting the sweet air? The sweet air? Sweet air, that's nitrous. Yeah, no. the good stuff. What? How often do you go to the dentist? They just fill you with nitrous oxide. I don't go. I want to go whenever I'm scheduled, but whenever I do go, man, gas me up. He gets it. Steve gets it in the waiting room. He doesn't even wait till he gets to the They're chair. Like, Steve, we're just giving you a cleaning. Gas yeah. me up. Yeah, they tell you. They tell you just to breathe normal. I sit there. I huff. Yeah. <laughs> what? You're like the. Yeah, uh, the you're like uh, Steve Martin in uh, Rocky. Not Rocky Horror. Uh, Little Shop. Little, Little Shop. Little yeah. Shop. Yeah. My whole my whole body lifts off the chair. Mm-hmm. I don't care about anything. They could take my whole mouth out. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> It's awesome. And they let me wear my headphones. So there you Where's go. your dentist at? This sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, 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 give you, I'll send you an email, man. <laughs> All right. Um, so quickly, I just want to talk very quickly. Um, I'm talking about a book that I hope more people read uh, when we're talking about it. Uh, I didn't, I, the, the, the first arc I talked about a bunch last year as it was coming out, but the second arc has got two issues in at this point. That's Injection uh, by Warren Ellis, uh, Declan Shelby, and uh, Jordi Belair. Um, so the, the, the sort of I don't want to get. Into, it's tough to get into the details of any Warren Ellis book and make yeah. it sound like anything that is has any sort of sanity to it at all. But the idea behind Injection is that there is this computer kind of AI that has sort of taken on that that when it when it presents itself presents itself as a almost a supernatural element. So it takes on the sort of um, the the sort of characteristics of the supernatural and sort of folklore and stuff that we believe in as a people. And it manifests those things, uses technology to manifest those things, but it appears as, as magic. So that's the idea of what the injection is. Um, and, but uh, what, what's interesting is that it's tough to tell in the first arc, obviously it's just starting out. So you don't, you can't nothing to compare it to, but both arcs sort of, so far at least are not about like how do we get rid of this program it's just more how do we sort of stop this certain threat that that has cropped up from it and uh um the the last arc dealt uh chiefly with um uh, maria kilbride who is the uh the sort of head of this sort of organization that sort of together they could have accidentally you know unleashed this this sort of 
computer virus that acts l- l- like these supernatural elements. This one, uh, th- this series so far, this arc so far is known this character named Vivek, who is sort of a you know he's a he's an investigator. They are they're all sort of paranormal or extra normal investigators. Everybody who's on this team, and Vivek is a person who does who sort of does the same thing. He, he is an investigator, and he has a client come to him that says he has a photograph that of his dead wife that when he looks at it the dead wife comes and speaks to him somebody stole the photograph so he wants vivek to get the photograph back and um one thing leads to another and we're sort of thrown into a sort of a very kind of winding twisting sort of mystery about who this man is who 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 are the people who are may possibly stole this photo is there something even deeper like for instance the, when the, the thing that happens is Vivek, because I'll, 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 I'll have my servants make you a sandwich and make him, they make sandwiches. He goes to eat it. It's supposed to be a ham sandwich. Vivek stops the guy from eating it. It turns out it's a human shoulder that, instead of a ham that was delivered to their apartment. Ooh. And he has to figure out who sent him <laughs> yeah. the shoulder and stuff like that. And he gets the police involved and all this stuff. And it's just, it's a really twisting, winding, crazy story. But it, it's not, to me at least, it's not the sort of, um, out there that that can put me off of some more analysis stuff where I just don't understand what's going on. I, I understand the ins and outs what's going on here, even if I don't necessarily get the idea of what the whole big picture is at, at this point. Uh, great characters, really distinct sense of tone and place to the book, and Declan Shelby and Jordi Belair. It's just, I just love the way the book looks. Every issue is just it's just beautiful. Um, it's a stellar, stellar series. The first trade is that now collects the first five issues of, of of the book. I recommend anybody who's interested in anything sort of supernatural, any anything that's very kind of heady and and weird. It's definitely something that you should pick up. And the first two issues of this have been just as good, just as good, if not better, than the stuff in the first arc. So I, I highly recommend recommend Injection Indeed. to people. To people, Steve, you read the first arc, right? I did. Yeah. Uh, I read it when we were uh, catching up for all of our end of the mm-hmm. year stuff. And um, I mean, you did a really great job of summing it up, mm. but uh, it's really the it's actually the probably the first thing that I've read of Warren Ellis's that I was like 100 percent on board with by the end that like I felt like I'd understand what it trans what it transpired. Mm. I thought the characters were really interesting conceptually. It was positively insane, but yeah. still still digestible enough that I walked away from it, you know, still having hair on my head and, and not <laughs> trying to figure out what I'm missing. Mm-hmm. You know, Warren Ellis is, is one of those writers that people are constantly either referring to me or they're like existing huge fans. Melissa, uh, our friend, our friend, Melissa Megan, for one, and uh, especially some of the people that I, I visit with out here in Canada, um, where all the things that have been kind of borrowed or offered to me, Injection was like the one that I walked away with 100% on board. It's actually now that you're, when you were talking about it, I'm going through on my iPad and I'm adding the, the last two issues to my uh, my pull for tomorrow nice. or today rather. Today, <laughs> yes, uh, super excellent stuff. Um, I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. The, I mean the, well, won't go on and on about it, but the just the. The machine and like the injection itself, and when you find out precisely what it is and what it can do, mm-hmm. it, it opens up the the series to pretty much go anywhere. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I love that about it. And also consistently, just 
amazing covers. The covers are always gorgeous and and, and just yeah. dropped and so iconic looking to me always. All right, so that's an, that's it for the the comic talk. Um, let's move on to our uh, review of Deadpool. Uh, so Deadpool is uh, a Fox Fox film, obviously in association with Marvel. Um, it stars Ryan Reynolds, Marina Bakarin, uh, T.J. Miller. Um, I don't. I gotta look up the British guy. I don't know. Ed Shreen? Shrine? Ed Shrine? I don't think. Uh, S-H-R-E-I-N? Game of Thrones. What'd you say? Dario Naharis from Game of Thrones, right? Uh, sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I watched Game of Thrones, but I didn't understand the name that you said. So, Dar- Isn't his name like Dario something? Yeah, Dario Naharis. Dario Naharis. The guy from, uh, you know, he's going after... Uh, the guy with the thing. Daenerys. He was uh, played by two different guys. Anyway, go ahead. Ed Scrine. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Is he the dude that replaced the, very the other dude? Hair. He was like the pretty boy that cut off the other dude's head and brought it to her. Now you know. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you now. And then they replaced him with another actor. Who was, who was even more handsome. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and uh, now he's playing. Uh, Ed Screen. Uh, so that's his name. Um, we've got uh, Brianna Hildebrand, who's playing a Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Uh, and um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying. To, I can't remember. Oh, Gina, not Gina. What's her name? Gina Carano. Carano. Gina Carano yeah. uh, as Angel Dust. So and and a, a, a lot of other people, obviously, in in the movie. Uh, pretty big cast. Um, directed by Tim Miller. Uh, written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. So, yeah. So. This is one of those things where this movie had been sort. We heard this movie been talked about for a very long time. It didn't seem like it was it was gonna happen. It seemed like it was dead. Uh, uh, a test footage was leaked. Uh, <laughs> it was definitely leaked, but whoever leaked it, we we do not know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm willing to bet somebody close to the movie wanted the movie to get made, and sort of lit up the internet for for a little while, and that sort of seemed to push the production into 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 a fast track. Uh, it opened this week. Rated R superhero movie, uh, 153 million, I believe, over the four day weekend. Uh, somewhere in the 130s Whoa, over the I three days. 135. 135, oh, for for the, 135 for the three day, uh, wow. 150 something, 152, 153 for the four day. A huge, awesome. huge opening. Huge opening. Supposedly the largest R rated opening ever. Yeah. I the, mean, the third matrix. The third matrix yeah. or the, yeah. So who knows? I mean, again, I don't have all numbers in front of me. There's obviously inflation stuff to talk about here. Right. I will say anyone saying it made more than the first Spider-Man movie. Uh, weekend. It, it, the first Spider-Man movie made $114 million its opening weekend when no movie had ever made over $100 right. million in its opening weekend. Today, in today's numbers, that would be close to $250 million for, for the weekend. You know, Iron Man won $98 million. Um, I, it's probably comparable, I'd probably say, at, the, at this point. Uh, so, And there's some other ones are good comparisons. Like, X-Men, it beat X-Men Days of Future Past, which is, pretty, is very impressive um, for, for a solo movie. And it beat a lot of other recent superhero movies. Man, it beat Man of Steel. Uh, so it, it had a very, very solid opening. And, of course, it beat a lot of the sort of solo Marvel movies as well that we've seen in the last couple of years. Um so big, big opening for, for Deadpool. Much bigger than I, I think anyone even expected, even w- with its sort of great buzz going in, in into this weekend. And uh, I think Fox did a fantastic job marketing it. Uh, I think as did the pe- the uh, Ryan Reynolds and the people who make the movie did a um, fantastic job getting themselves out there and talking about the movie. But that's all sort of tangential to what we get uh, onto the screen. Uh, 
So I want to just get, uh, if people don't know how our movie reviews work, I've always forgot to say this, uh, we're going to do general impressions for a little while. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, we will talk about things that happen in the movie, nothing that's any sort of like serious plot device or any sort of major story thing that's not sort of already known. So, so, if, but if you don't want to know anything about the movie, if you haven't seen the movie, you probably should stop listening. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Watch <laughs> the movie, you know. Uh, you know, but if you have seen the movie or, or, you know, you're willing to hear some stuff about what goes on in the movie, then you, you'll hear that here. We'll make a clear delineation and then we'll talk about more spoiler stuff after, after that, after that happens. Um, so yeah, if you don't want to know, like, you know, that Deadpool went through this program or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of stuff that you, you don't want to listen to any of this, obviously, but we're going to talk, but we're going to talk in generalities for, for, for the beginning. So first of all, um, Joey. Yes. What did you think uh, of Deadpool? Uh, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't really have too high expectations going in, even though, like you said, there's a lot of positive buzz and, and a lot of people have been talking it up for a very long time. Um, but, you know, I was like, it's a Deadpool movie. I've been hit or miss with the, the Fox X-Men, X-Men in quotation marks kind of uh, franchise, if you will, although the last couple have been much better. Uh, what really got me with the film was how much of a passion project it felt like um like you mentioned it, it, it goes back a while it goes back like five or six years in terms of of ryan reynolds and and company trying to get this movie made um and watching it i, I did actually kind of feel that i felt like uh the the writing went into it i felt like they spent a lot of time thinking about you know um how to make this character and how to make this movie work. And uh, it, it felt like they put the time into that. Um, and, you know, it, it felt from start to finish like it felt fun. Um, and it felt like the cast was having fun. And it felt like the, the creative team was having fun. So, and that translated into my experience with the film and the, the audience too. Uh, I saw it on, it was funny because I went on um, Saturday morning. Uh, to get those those cheap matinee tickets, um, but the, the I went at a, the a ten thirty showing a.m. was sold out, um, so I had to to wait around for a couple of hours. And I was shocked by that, but then um, sitting in, the, in a full auditorium at one o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, um, the the place was was buzzing. So I think that their attention and their care for the the film translated into a product that that's really really good and really really well executed. Awesome. Steve, what, 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 what were your general impressions? Uh, I had an absolute blast with the movie. I wasn't quite sure what to expect. Uh, I've been kind of hearing a lot about it through the internet and then through my job. Um, I know a couple of people that have been kind of on the ground floor of the movie since it started to get made. And we've had kind of private conversations without spoilers of, you know, you're going to like this, you're going to like this. And kind of a we'll see type of attitude from me. And um, even when, like, the first trailer came out, like, I, I dug the vibe of it, I dug the look of it, but I still wasn't 100% convinced. And then the movie started, and from the opening credits all the way to the after credit sequences, I laughed my ass off. I was surprised at how much heart the movie also had. And kind of... Ryan Reynolds and his his Deadpool dipping into so many different versions of that character and the, the few you know few creators that I've read that have written Deadpool 
they were all there, including some of the like the uncanny X Force style Deadpool, which I thought was really cool. Hmm. Uh, some of the jokes, oh man, like not maybe not every single one of them hit. Maybe some of them were for me a little bit too or or too too much lowbrow in a row. It's not like I didn't enjoy the lowbrow stuff because I did, but like maybe one too many within a certain period of time, but that's the character. That's, you know, that's what you're, you're going to see. But, uh, I thought as far as like the effort and the budget that they had to make it, it it turned out really, really good. I, I love kind of, uh, not getting into the spoiler territory, but the inclusion of, of certain characters, the constant, constant joking, the breaking of the fourth wall, I thought was really cleverly used and not overused, which I thought was also very important. Uh, I liked the the style in that we kind of transitioned from present day to flashback style. I think that was a really great way of telling uh, Deadpool's origin story without bogging down the entire film with origin-related stuff. Um, I have maybe a few minor quibbles about the villain but beyond that um i thought that the cast was i i he looked like he was having a really good time the guy that played ajax which is the the main you know for um antagonist in the film but i mean i thought gina carano was was fantastic uh i loved negasonic teenage warhead colossus was great and um it was just it was so much fun and like I said at the start, I never would have guessed that we would get like our first comic book movie that is in very much ways a romantic comedy from Deadpool. Huh. But the more that I think about the movie and the more that I kind of run it over in my head, it's kind of the perfect vehicle for that because he's a comedic character. So that's already going to be there. You already know that you're going to see a comedy. But when you added the relationship aspect of the film and you were able to see Deadpool care for someone and care for someone very deeply, it brought about a whole other, you know, other emotions from him and other, other things besides just the, you know, kill, kill, kill kind of crazy wisecracking Deadpool. All of that was there, but it was also balanced by these, you know, relationship aspects that really brought a lot to uh, a lot of just good fuzzy feelings uh, to the film on top of like the, the excitement and the action and the gore and all of that stuff. Mm. Um, I positively loved it. Cool. That was great. Bob. Well, I've read virtually no Deadpool. I know him only by reputation and mm. the few things I've read. And I, for what I know of it, my limited experience, I thought it really captured what people love about this character mm. in the books that, that are coming out today. Mm. What, what it was past i have no clue but it's a very comic centric movie more so than most mm. uh, and it, it it plays it's dense in the tropes of superhero stuff while playing against them just as steve said the fourth world fourth world breakiness is there and what's the one thing it's a fourth world fourth fourth wall inside a fourth wall does that make it 16 walls <laughs> yeah. as he starts to do the math and, and it's just a lot of fun with it. It is, by the way, for folks on the fence, it is definitely R-rated. Oh, yeah. Hard R. Right. Yes. This is not, you know, oh, I could get away with this. Mm -hmm. You better have a really grounded 15-year-old to really <laughs> think. Though I'm sure we also have kids in the theaters. Yeah, yeah, definitely. With parents. And again, babies. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Babies. <laughs> yeah. 
crying no. babies. Oh, yeah, it oh would be. I didn't have that. They were laughing so hard. Yeah. <laughs> crying. A friend of mine uh, brought his, I guess, his five-year-old nephew to see it and posted a, a photo on Facebook with, like, big smiling face, like, coolest uncle ever. I'm like, I don't know, man. I wonder how that worked out for you. Yeah. <laughs> when you bring that kid home to the parent. Yeah, we'll see. I, I was raised on horror movies, so I can't really talk. But mm-hmm. just if you come from a home where like film is is valued and taught to you and stuff like that, and you're raised on that stuff, and it's an understanding within your family, I'm totally cool with that. But if you go in blind... And just right. assume you're going to be able to get away with it because it's a superhero movie. You might want to think twice about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Sorry about continuing. Yeah, no, it's okay. I I have a, a minor quibble as well. Nothing spoilery <laughs> here, uh, and it it does relate to something you were saying, Steve. In that, I think there are two movies here. You have the the send up of superhero films and a straight superhero film mm-hmm. with consequence for actions and depth of emotion and loss and some of that sort of stuff. And I'm not sure they all the time, for me anyway, completely connected. Mm. That there's some really brutal things happen to characters we like. Mm-hmm. And they're either followed directly by jokey, 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 mm-hmm. and it sort of undercuts what they just sort of did. Minor quibble. Mm-hmm. It's a minor quibble because they do reconcile them eventually. But while it's going on, it's like, oh, I don't know where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite sure. It just is not consistent enough within the picture here and there for me but other than that just a spectacularly fun afternoon in the theater yeah i mean obviously since it's come out we've we've heard a lot of talk right about what the movie means and you know and and, you know does it mean that people want r-rated superhero movies is is it this going to start changing Mm -hmm. over you know a lot of other movies to being rated r and i think it's easy it's very easy to overstate the the meaning behind a movie like this hitting as big as it is um i mean make it does send up a superhero stuff but like you said don't get don't this movie stands on the shoulders of the the mostly the mcu stuff that that has mm-hmm. come before it you know it uses a lot of those the, those things that have become commonplace in there and doesn't use them as jokes use them as things to, to kind of further you know further the story here you know um and that's to its benefit, you know. And I think the movie does a very—it's a very tough balancing act to be a send-up of something, but not to deride the thing that mm-hmm. you you actually are. Because I have no patience for a, for a movie that is a superhero movie. Because I hate superhero movies, you know. That this movie does that, but not in a way that's snide. It does it in a in a because because it, it does it in the way that's Deadpool, which is that this character who is he just never gets it right you know he's always trying to he seems to be trying to do the right thing sometimes but never can do the right thing and he always kind of ends up you know squishing somebody's head with a with a piece of junk or something like that you know so i think that the movie the movie does something really great in that way and i think that um it does something too that i think i think we 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 were talking off air about the kind of the james gunn interview and what what holly will take wrong from the idea of what this movie is the the reason this movie works so well, and the reason that I think people love this movie so much, including myself, because I thought it was it was a, a hugely funny experience, and, and I just had a great time watching it, is that for its for for anything that's wrong about it or anything that's right about it, it is absolutely note perfect to the character that it is based on. It it is it is so true and so loyal to the to the stuff that has come before it and the stuff that has birthed the idea of this character that it, it proves to me that that. that 
that that makes people who love the character people just love movies react positively in in both ways and i think that it's a big fun violent cartoon at, at a lot of points not every joke hits steve i agree with you. there are some jokes that don't hit but for me, that's just what the way Deadpool is to me whenever I experience him in, in any sort of medium, you know, whether it be right, even that was consistent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whether it be a comic book, whether it be a video game, whether it be whether it be this movie, I feel like uh, the high percentage of it is funny and some of it just doesn't stick and hit. But I, I feel like the movie is it's it manages to straddle that self-aware line kind of perfectly where it will dip into it and then dip out of it at the right moments. The, the fourth wall breaking breakiness is is really funny and and, and I think sometimes endearing and charming as it goes along um there, there's a joke with a very specific uh x-men actor that I think is yeah, just hilarious yeah. that it's like a running joke throughout <laughs> yeah. the whole movie um which I think is great and uh, I also think that uh, you know and I I generally all the Brian singer sort of involved x-men movies I enjoy. But I felt like I have never seen Colossus actually be Colossus in any in any movie other than this movie. You yeah, know, it was perfect. He, you know, he's just he's this big, kind Russian giant. You know, and and <laughs> and I, I thought that was great. You know, it 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 felt it felt real to me, and it felt like these writers not only get Deadpool, but they get the other characters as well. And that was that was yeah. a cool thing to see. Um, and I will say this. It feels like Rob Liefeld and Fabian Nicienza, Nicienza, Nicienza created Deadpool for Ryan Reynolds to eventually play him That's in a right. movie. Yeah. It, it just yep. it, there's no, there's rarely, rarely a character and an actor that fits so perfectly together. You know, it's like it's like the dirty inverse of Chris Evans as Captain yeah. America. Yeah. You know, he's or Danny Junior as Iron Man. Yeah, exactly. He's just perfect and. Even I, I've seen the movie once. I read those six issues of Deadpool after I saw the movie. I just heard Ryan Reynolds' voice in my head the entire time I was reading <laughs> the book, and that's a that's a great thing to me. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. And I think that he brings, you know, his humor in full force to it. But he's also a good actor, you know. And so he brings when it that sort of you know for lack they don't ever say it, but that Weapon X stuff, you know. I guess in the comic it's Weapon Nine because yeah, he's not yeah. he's not quite he's not quite as they haven't perfected it yet. Um, stuff is really brutal at times and they don't they don't what I like about it too is much like something like Kick-Ass they don't shy away from showing you that that this violence sucks like it, it hurts and it's painful and this isn't just like we'll do this one thing and then it's it's all laughs and and and, and, and you know jokes and I liked that about it you know I liked that they, they, they definitely when they went into that place they went into it and they dealt with it in, in, in some interesting ways and I, I just felt like I feel like the, the final action scene was great I loved I think all the action scenes worked really well he there's times where he did stuff when he moved in certain ways where I was like I've never seen that before in, in a superhero movie and that's great to be able to say at, at, at this point yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I mean, I have little quibbles too, but they're not anything that I would ever ever dissuade somebody from from going mm -hmm. to see the the movie. No, um, certainly not. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what did you think of uh, Reynolds? I know we didn't really you didn't really talk about performance too no, much, Bob. He is very very winning, mm -hmm. and that's the best way to say it because there's a lot of stuff he has to play mm -hmm. through this movie. There's complete joy and there's lots of weirdness his stuff with tj miller is yeah. just hysterically <laughs> funny yeah so he nails the comedy but also nails when 
well, there's spoiler stuff for later. Mm. But there's some really deep things have to get played here, and mm. you you can watch that pain come across his face. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And despite a line that he says about himself in the movie. <laughs> yeah. He is very, very good. Mm-hmm. I haven't really seen him be this good in anything else. He's, I mean, I think he, yeah, this is definitely uh, the, a huge have thing. Have you ever seen Definitely Maybe? He's, no. <laughs> I Bob, love that movie. You would love Definitely Maybe. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> you would it's one of my favorite <laughs> cheesy romantic comedies from the mid-2000s. I just love it so much. I'm, I'm with you, Joey. That, that, movie is, it's, that movie is very charming. Um, and he's charming. He is very charming in it. Yeah. I knew he would be a great Deadpool when I saw Definitely Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and I will. And I said this too. The costume is comic book perfect. Oh my god! And finally, finally, somebody did the fucking costume with the white eyes. Yeah, yeah. Like, I want to know <laughs> how they pulled that off. <laughs> I want to know if that was CGI, like the the eyes all the time, or if they actually managed to like affix something that it would react to his eye movements. Because I wouldn't be surprised. There's definitely some. There's some CGI. They said with like, the eyes, like to make the okay. eyes move a little bit. Um, that that so good to express emotion. The, the second I saw the little nub on the top of his head. Yeah, oh yeah, you yeah. Know, that he has that mm-hmm. little that little lip. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is perfect. Yeah, this is this is it. Mm-hmm. For those people who say you have to change things, no, you yeah. don't. No, I mean it works perfectly, yeah. and I think that uh, I, I, you know, I always, I, it always bothers me that they just don't do the Batman costume with the whited out eyes. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I never understand why they don't do it. And this is really the first movie that's really done it. You know, they where they really whited out the mm-hmm. eyes and something. I actually think they're doing it. I guess they're not. Are they whited out? Or are they blacked out in Black Panther? But they're not. You, there's no eye holes. You can't right. see his eyes. They're whited out. I they're, think. they're whited out. So I love that they're gonna start. They start doing that because I think that's a really cool portion. And I also think the movie serves really well. I mentioned getting the characters right as part of that unit, that X Men universe. You know, I I think that I I think it ties in just enough and keeps itself separate mm-hmm. just enough to feel like it. Obviously. Those two movies, he could never like the, the X Men could never be in a movie like this, you know, all of them. But you, you wouldn't, I don't think it would feel crazy weird to have Deadpool in an X Men movie that wasn't no. this violent and this, and this obviously uh, vile. So I think that's it's pretty cool. I'm sure he'd make mention of it too while he was. Yes, there. absolutely. <laughs> I'd like to do something here, but yeah. I can't. Yeah. Um, really, really, I. I you know, I was su- I was expecting to like it, but I was surprised at how much I laughed, and I was utter- definitely surprised about how much there was more than just the, the laughing. Because when I when it's the first action scene, which you've seen, it's basically in that like that test reel they did and everything like that. I was like, okay, this is gonna be like an '80s cra- action movie, like just taken to the extreme. So it's gonna be all cr- just pure craziness from beginning to end. And there's craziness pretty much from beginning to end, yeah. but it's intercut with I think some good some good moments in there um joey do you have any more kind of non-spoilery stuff that you want to you want to dive into um just two things i do think one of the i agree about most of the characters i think one of the underserviced characters in the film i would say is probably uh vanessa right the Mm -hmm. the the love interest i do think that marina baccarin who is wonderful Mm -hmm. i i love her and everything that she does firefly and and serenity and she was in homeland for a while i think too um, I do think that she's a little underserved in the film, um, which is a bummer for for a lot of reasons, obviously. Um, 
And I do one of my other questions and something that I've, I've discussed, I discussed with my students today, actually, after I was like, why did you see Deadpool? You're not <laughs> old enough to see that. Um, something I discussed with them today was if you see the movie again, would it hit and be as kind of charming as it was the first time? Um, and that's just something that I thought about with this film, especially because it is a comedy and it relies on those kind of one-liners and that kind of sense of surprise and kind of like newness to all of it. I do wonder if that charm sticks with the film mm-hmm. uh, upon multiple viewings. So that's just something that, that I was thinking about too. Yeah, I mean, I do agree about Vanessa. I think that the – not to get into t- – it's tough to talk about a lot of negative stuff without – any negative stuff without getting into too much detail because you want to spoil stuff because right uh but i i feel like it she doesn't start out being underserved but ends up being being underserved when when the movie sort of you know obviously moves away from you know their relationship um and, and i was hoping for sort of a a switch up at the end like something that would be different than the sort of usual mm-hmm. um I mean, because the movie does things so differently so often that when it does fall into sort of those like this conventions. is conventions, it's not it's not always I don't think it's always disappointing because sometimes I think that's a good thing. But I think in th- in that sense, with the, with her falling into that convention, just seemed a little bit um, lazy mm-hmm. as far as the writing goes. There seemed like there there could be there there was plenty of other reasons for Deadpool to do what he did at the end of that movie without you know, that sort of convention being used um, because th- he had a motive to do what he did anyway. And, and so to put that out, it just seemed like it, too kind of standard fare for what the movie was, was p- pushing. Though trying not to spoil anything here. There is a way you could look at it as this ending is unconventional, only that in some cases it would have not happened that. Yeah. Yeah. Sudden, yeah. We'll talk were, about it in spoilers. Right. Yeah. In, where in, it, in depth. it could have gone yeah. the other way too and so maybe this is their flip of the flip yeah and i don't think then we doesn't really have a problem i mean no most more than than other superhero movies as with representation so much because there are two you know um pretty prominent uh both villain and hero female characters mm-hmm. you know as much as anybody it's i mean it is ryan reynolds movie do not make any mistake he is the center point of the movie and he is an basically every single scene of the movie i think there's one or two scenes that he is not a part of um but uh yeah with her character i just felt like there could have been something more clever done uh at the end with that uh steve do you have any other non-spoilery stuff you want to sort of chime in on um i was i was gonna actually say one thing about colossus that i I really appreciated Mm. we were talking about the difference between you know the r-rated deadpool and kind of the the x-men of old and what's going to go on in the future and stuff like that i really loved first of all i i thought colossus was a great character but i also liked that he was kind of coming from the p like the still pg-13 side of the x-men <laughs> and constantly like throughout the movie trying to coax deadpool over to the other side kind of like the the two ratings having a discussion throughout the movie yeah. and and through his kind of like almost mothering type mm-hmm. of actions uh colossus throughout the film i just thought was a really really fun jab and, and just not even necessarily a jab, jab but like a nice nod and a way to play with kind of the old meeting this outlier of of the group and i just thought it was really funny every time that he tried to convince him to come over and come in and, and work with them and be with them and just um it kind of, I think, it kind of speaks to the battle that the movie itself had with the, with Fox for a number of years trying to get made. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, 
Bob, any other non-spoiler stuff you wanted to get into? Okay. So I mean, but I think say it's, it's a thumbs up. I would say you know yes. know what you know what you're getting into. Absolutely. It's it's hyper violent. It's it's vile and vulgar at a lot of times, but I think it's a highly entertaining movie. Um, Joey, thumbs up from you. Definitely. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna we're gonna tell you we're, we're gonna talk about some spoiler stuff from now on. I don't know how long. There's not a ton of spoilers to talk about in a movie like this, but um, we'll, we'll talk about some. So if you want to don't want to know some more any of the detail stuff, I would tune out now. Um, thank you for listening, um, and we will uh, we'll see you next time. So if you don't want to hear the spoilers, tune out now. All right, we've given the chance to to get away. Um, all right, so you know. Bob, you were you trying to get into the kind of the criticism we we're talking about of mm-hmm. Vanessa's character. You didn't want to get too much in detail. What, sure. You know, well, you can expound. As you get to the ending, um, generally speaking, the scarred, destroyed face hero, whether it's Ben Grimm or mm-hmm. someone else, very often loses mm-hmm. the girl, or and the sacrifice he makes early by staying away mm-hmm. would then he'd walk away alone at the end of the movie. So maybe their thought was we're flipping this by making it the love story. Yeah. And her line, that would be a face I'd be happy to sit on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that they flip it up even in their own crazy way. Yeah. Oh my. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they do flip it. You know, I, I, um, I, I just feel like what I was trying to get before is like he already had the sort of, um, motivation to go after Ajax to try to take him down to try to get, you know, try to get him to heal his face without damsel in distress. Without damsel in distress, yeah. it just her, yeah, yeah, it d- yeah. D- just didn't need to happen. I mean, I know they wanted to get her back into the plot so they could be reunited, but there could have been a a mm-hmm. better way, I think, to do that. Than... Okay, more that point than the ending point. Okay, yeah, exactly, I exactly. I, I still right. think that ending would have been great together if he had gone back to her, you know, in some way, or, or you know, they had reconnected in some other way. But I feel like making her a damsel is just too much of a convenience, and it just. It also like it doesn't make sense for her character where you've seen her before. You know, she seems like like she can. I mean, again, they're they're kind of super people, but she seems like she can very much handle herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I, I am. She she does in in one way or another end up saving herself to a degree, though. She does. No, she absolutely does. And yeah. she, she and she takes out Ajax in in a lot, of, a lot of ways. But she still gets kidnapped. And stuck in like a container, and being like, "I'm gonna kill her, Deadpool! If you oh, don't yeah, come yeah. here, you know, yeah. if you don't come <laughs> here at noon, yeah, come to the t- center of town at noon, or I'm gonna kill, you know, th- this woman." This so that, woman. so that's stuff I, I could have done with without mm-hmm. that, um, definitely. Uh, but I do think that, I, and also like, it's <laughs> it's definitely a helicarrier at the end of the <laughs> yeah. They're fighting on a crashed <laughs> helicarrier, which is kind of crazy. Um, uh, I know Gail Simone was tweeting about it. She was like, how come they're allowed to use this piece of tech? <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't even put that together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it wow, was you're totally right. right. <laughs> yeah. Which I think which I think is crazy. Um, and there's a lot of references in there, you know, obviously. I mean, I think that I, I, I love sort of the, you know, um, McAvoy or Stewart. Like, these timelines yeah. are so confusing. Yeah. <laughs> in that opening credit sequence where oh, there's uh, great the green credit. lantern cards flying yeah. by. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, the, uh, the opening credit sequence is like you see if you mentioned like from the opening credit sequence, and I'm glad you didn't say what it was before because I think it's a great surprise. Oh God, it's so good! It, it's a great moment. I, I just like it's such a, a cool idea to do that. Like I'm, I don't think I've ever seen that in a movie before. You know, it, it must have. They must have gone through some sort of hoops to get to get that approved because I. That's I, what I'm saying. With yeah, so go ahead, Joey. I mean, that's what I'm saying. With like the people that made this movie, like knew the character and knew that that was that was what they needed to do mm-hmm. and they were uh, they had to jump through hoops i'm sure but they 
And like this is what I'm saying. Like this movie took a while to get made. They had to jump through hoops to get it made. And I feel like that passion that went into it is clearly seen in the product that you get at the end. You know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I and I. So Bob, what, anything else you want? I point you. No, I know you, you have... the, the, it's great to see them embrace such a crazy concept mm-hmm. and just go with it. Where you have how many other things how many other superhero properties even the ones that have been done well shy away mm-hmm. they get to the edge and no we can't make this too comic booky mm-hmm. this couldn't be more comic booky yeah <laughs> in addressing the, every crazy side just what Steve is saying you know so many different creators eras in this so many takes mm-hmm. are all sort of referenced somewhere you bring in crazy characters like Al mm-hmm. she's my Robin <laughs> <laughs> this, this nutty blind lady mm-hmm. who's just yeah. And that's Leslie Uggams, who's been in movies for, you know, 50-odd years mm-hmm. on Broadway in the 50s before that and sang with Mitch Miller and all this kind of <laughs> crazy stuff. And she's just raunchy. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't build furniture very well. No. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. And his pronunciation of all the crazy Ikea products. Yeah. <laughs> they were not afraid to go with you know, what used to be called in the Man Magazine these chicken fat. Every scene is packed with everything. Mm-hmm. And maybe, Joey, that's why you want to go back and see it a second time, because I missed jokes, I'm sure, as people mm-hmm. were laughing around me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Or, or things I wasn't focusing on in the background. It's like, hey, wait, isn't that Rob Liefeld just went past <laughs> yeah. sitting at the bar over there? <laughs> or who's that MC in the strip club anyway? <laughs> uh, but I I was warned that I had to pay attention to the, the, the credits. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people were not paying attention. Yeah, yeah. It's it, like okay, uh, I'm getting ready to watch the movie. They're tweeting mm-hmm, or whatever's going mm-hmm. on. So it's you know directed by an overpaid tool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> starring a CGI character, yeah. America's perfect asshole or whatever. Yeah, right, it was. Yeah. America's perfect idiot. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Real heroes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and bring in so many other things, and then let, let's go to the end credits. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Yeah, great, uh, a great send up of it because I. I had heard the thing. There's there's two there's two end credit sequences, and the second one's gonna blow your mind or whatever like that. And the movie was ending, and I was like, oh man, I I was wondering if it was just all a joke, if yeah. nothing was gonna happen. Um, and then it popping up and doing the whole thing. What do you think, Sam Jackson gonna show up yeah, with yeah. you know an eye patch and a leather number? You know we don't have that kind of budget or whatever. It kind of like go home, and then and it cuts to black, yeah. and then it comes back. And he's like, "Oh, Cable's gonna be in the next movie." Yeah, and it's just like a, it's just a great like under. It does the same thing the Marvel movies do, but it but it undercuts it in the in the in the loving way that mm-hmm. that movie can do. You know, it's that movie knowing its limitations as far as budget and far as like how they could plan ahead because they had no idea if they were ever gonna make another one. So they couldn't have a they weren't gonna film a big expensive scene with and cast an actor to play Cable and then yeah. it not happen. And and I, I just loved that he just said it. They just said it. Oh, especially when the other line was, it's like the, the studio couldn't afford any more X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so good. Yeah. Oh, God. It's a big house. Yeah. I'll to you. That was definitely one of my favorite jokes mm-hmm. in the entire movie. I laughed my ass off at that. Yeah. It got me, too, with the uh, when he first, the, the the guy first comes to pitch him the the, the program. Yeah. And he goes, what can I help you with except to get kids into a white paneled van? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Agent, and it calls him Agent Smith. Agent for the rest Smith. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought all all those jokes worked really, really well. And again, like you said, Joe, who knows if they work again? But right. it, but it, to me, it's like it, it works so well the first time that it's you know great. And not every movie has to stand up to mm-hmm. a, a ton of watches, you know. But I I still think that the the action stuff is really really solid, and that the uh, 
the the serious stuff works well enough that I, I could definitely see myself watching it again. Love the fight with Colossus. Great. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he's breaking his. That was yeah. one of the funniest things yeah. in the film. Yeah. For me. And that's one thing too. He, and then we, we, we talked, they say the pun, but he's like he's like Bugs Bunny in, in a yes. lot of ways. You know, and a, that really, that I told you about before we got in there, there's this really, really good. I think, Joey, you tweeted it out, that New Yorker article about the character. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, I did. I did. Yeah. It's a really excellent article. Um, I expect it to be very surface level. You know, uh, but it's obviously like a lot of research was done and there's a lot of great information about the character in there. And that's how sort of like, you know, Joe Kelly and stuff like envisioned him was like this kind of Bugs Bunny-ish type of, mm. of character. And that's such a Looney Tunes type of yeah. thing. You know, obviously an ultra-violent yeah. version of it, but breaking all his limbs, <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to punch Colossus. I'm followed by the uh, spoiler alert. Anyone see 127 hours? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the baby hand. Yeah, the, yeah, the, baby, uh, the baby, yeah. baby hand's great. And Al's reaction. Uh, I yeah. bet it's going to feel huge in this hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no. So nasty, but so oh, funny. God. Yeah. Uh, his wound in the... Took us? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ow. Ow, for sure. Yeah. He, oh, man, right up the something. Yeah, right uh, up Main Street, I yeah, think he right says. Yeah, right up Main Street, right. that was it. Right up Main Street. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's you know it's tough when you talk about comedies because you end up just like resetting jokes a, a but, lot, but and that's the, not all of them. No, that's not no. No, <laughs> there's a billion jokes in this movie. But it, we, we talked before about the heart of it mm. and, and the touching moments of it in in the office where he's told he has cancer, mm -hmm. and you watch these two people had this really weird relationship as they're playing in you know, Neil Sedaka's mm -hmm. Calendar Girl and yeah, the, yeah. all these perverse things they're doing <laughs> yeah. for each holiday. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's hysterical. Mm -hmm. And then there's there's a real downer as well. This guy has cancer, mm -hmm. and she's gonna stick with him, and he can't do that. And you mm -hmm. can see it in his face when it it's he's told that. Yeah, and it, that's where he cries. That's where you see the emotions cross him, mm -hmm. and that's when he makes his decision and leaves. And you feel for him desperately, despite him being this Looney Tunes character, because as it flashes back and forth, mm -hmm. it's it's that, and it's this other two. Yeah, and it gives you know it gives. Uh, it gives a depth to his humor, you know, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is, is is really great about about what it does. Um, and I love that last the speech that Colossus is giving at the end. And it's funny because it starts out at first, and and at first I had this thing like, oh, maybe this is gonna like work. And then about halfway through the speech, you know, you know, because yeah, yeah. it, it just gets it keeps going. It gets so ridiculous yeah. that you know he's just gonna shoot him in the head. Yeah, <laughs> and he does. Um, Steve, you said you had a couple about the villain. Uh, I did. I did in, in... You're talking like, about Ajax? I, what's, talking, yeah, Ajax. Okay. I just, you know, when, when you have a villain or, or when you have a character, not even a villain, you want that character to be well-defined. And while I understand that he's the one that, you know, made Deadpool, so to speak, um, I just, I felt like his power set wasn't really well-defined. Like, aside from him being the person that created... Deadpool or or put him through the, the the process to to be him. I felt like we didn't really get to know him as a villain beyond like the surface stuff of him, you know, doing the kidnapping or or finding out that somebody that he thought he took out is still around and now having to deal with that. Um I didn't really know what his plan was beyond any of that and I I enjoyed him like we we talked about the actors having a good time like he definitely i can't remember the guy's name but he definitely had a lot of fun playing that villain and he did a great job um 
then I also started to think about, well, if you took so much time to really get into all of that stuff with him that you might be taking away from Deadpool Mm -hmm. and it's his movie. So perhaps you don't want like a villain with a lot of depth for the first Mm -hmm. time out. And maybe that's just not the kind of movie that it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It's it's not so much that I was negative on him. I was divided Mm. on him where I felt like I had gotten enough to like where I wanted to punch him in the face for doing all the things that he was doing. Right. Yeah. You like, you like Deadpool and you like Mm. Ryan Reynolds and you know that he was just trying to do like something that sounded like it might work out Mm -hmm. and that maybe he'll have to do some superheroing, but he can get rid of the cancer and go back to his girl and at least try to have a semi normal life. And then it just turns out to all be false and nefarious and, you know, they're looking to to make him a soldier and all of these things. I hated that dude. Especially <laughs> the, the the torture that they that they yeah. put him through. Mm-hmm. Like that was some extreme stuff. That like that uh chamber mm-hmm. that they stuck him in. Yeah. Man, like I can't even I have heart problems, man. Like I can't even those scenes were making me nervous. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know? Definitely. Um, they showed him. They showed him all. Yeah. Yeah. And um but I mean, I mean, that's really that's really it uh, for the for the villain thing. I think it's actually a situation where maybe some of the jokes might not play as well on a second watch. That maybe my appreciation for that character might come through on a second watch because I have that understanding in my head going into it a second time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, as far as other stuff to mention about the movie, uh, I think we've pretty much said it all. I mean, I'm just. I'm so excited to see this movie that was very much a passion project from from so many people and reading some of the behind the scenes stuff that they actually got to make it and make it what they wanted Mm -hmm. and that the, you know, they had to change a couple of things, but that the, the script that was approved was pretty much the 2011 script that was initially handed in. I mean, they might've had to change a couple of things, Mm -hmm. but it, it rang true to their vision throughout. Yeah. And, um, like from a personal perspective, like I knew that Colossus was in the movie. I knew that Negasonic Teenage Warhead was in the movie, but I did not expect to see certain things. Like I had no idea in what capacity they were in the movie. Mm-hmm. So like to see the X-Men mansion mm-hmm. was like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. look at that. To see the Quinjet mm-hmm. was another thing that like, holy crap, like there, you know, there are, this is really set somewhere in the X-Men universe. Mm-hmm. Like, there's the mansion, there's the, you know, there's the school, there's the jet, there's the, you know, these team members. And I I just was really kind of surprised by just how much they were a part of things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and oh my God, the soundtrack. <laughs> it's hard to walk away from the conversation without mentioning the soundtrack. The soundtrack was so good. Like all the, the musical cues for some of the action scenes, um, all the classics that were used. Uh, DMX and Salt and Pepper and and stuff that would that wouldn't necessarily play in another comic book movie, but be, because it's Deadpool, it totally works. So I think that they they took good advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it ha- even has like a I don't know like a like a I feel like a '90s like rap song about the lead character. Yeah, like yeah. that was yeah. that was really cool. I didn't expect that at all. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Uh. 
I just want to. I have some listeners who rang in with some, with some thoughts. Um, Damien W says, "Awesome to see some yellow spandex finally <laughs> outside my own wardrobe." That is um, <laughs> <Hey-o>. <laughs> nice. Uh, Andy Hay says, "My thoughts are: Why did it take a Deadpool film to actually get X Men characters right after several X Men films?" Oh snap! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me see this one. Um, this one. Uh, this is from uh, Infinity Watcher. Says I really enjoyed it. It was like an '80s action film on Trooms. Colossus was amazing. Hashtag fuck Francis. Um, <laughs> Damn. Uh, let's see. We've got it's uh, it's Scott Elric says it's balls out amazing. Perfect action flick. A very good adaptation of a Deadpool comic. Um, I'll never read a Deadpool comic without hearing Ryan Reynolds' voice. Oh, and did I mention Bob? Um, <laughs> Declan Glasgow says so much fun. Had me laughing. Loved the action set pieces. His creepy mini hand. Uh, skull poop L was class. Um, the the only thing uh, Shane Gibson says the only thing that would have made this a ten out of ten movie for me would have been the voices in his head. I know it would have been a really difficult to do on film, but I always loved the interaction between them and uh, and Skull Poop L. They could have done it like the game and had the colored comic text pop boxes pop out, but uh, but that might have been a bit much. Um, so yeah, those, those are some reactions. We had some questions. Uh, I want I want to talk about sammy cassell's question really quick which he several tweets but the the kind of question they have here is discuss the negative effects of the movie i.e will there be more r superhero movies taking wolverine for example away from kids um and he wanted to stress he's not he's not one of the people who thought the deadpool should have not been rated r he's just kind of concerned about the aftermath Mm -hmm. of of the movie um and uh, you know, other, and then of course, Andy Hay is like the exact opposite thing, which is like, oh, are we finally going to see more films based on comics for an older audience instead of pandering to ten-year-olds? So both yeah, of them yeah, have um, <laughs> extreme reactions on both sides of the, of the aisle. Uh, yes to both of their questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, you know, we talked about we referenced it a little bit earlier, but if you you should, everyone should read the James Gunn interview that that he did uh, right after I think it was on Monday, I guess mm-hmm. it was um, yes. about the after Deadpool came out and him saying that Hollywood's going to take the wrong lessons from from Deadpool. Uh, opening so big you know and we've already seen today i think it just broke today when we're recording this that the wolverine 3 looks like it's going to be rated r um and you know for me my personal feelings is that you know a let's just say this and for financial reasons you don't have to worry about it because Mm the yes the the odd the odd r-rated movie here and there will make a lot of money but it has been categorically proven that in the long run, PG thirteen movies are going to make way more money. Mm-hmm. You just have your audience is op- way more open to more people, and you're just you're going to make more money. To me, it's just simply this: you, if it's just what it should be anyway. You find the characters that are right for these ratings, and that's the movies that you make for them. You don't have to shoehorn, you know, other you know, shoehorn characters into ratings that they, that they don't belong with, you know. And and I think that can range all across the spectrum. It doesn't have to just go to R. I'm talking about going all the way down to PG or, or, or to even to G, depending on what kind of property you're dealing with. But I think that like Deadpool is perfect for an R. You know, I, I think someone like The Punisher, of course, is perfect for, for an R. Red Sony or Conan or something. Yeah. yeah. These are perfect mm-hmm. for R ratings. And like, th- this is finally going to probably make, make them get off their asses and make an X-Force movie. And that will probably be rated R as well because they're going to be bringing in all of these characters um, for stuff like that. Wolverine to me, like... Wolverine is a hugely popular character. I, I understand this, but Wolverine's main function is taking knives that are part of his hands and stabbing people in the chest. So that <laughs> yeah. is not something that you can rate a PG-13 and make no blood and make no gore. 
that doesn't make the violence any less brutal. It just makes it it, it just makes it less impactful and makes it without consequence because it's there's nothing going on. I, I don't think every Wolverine movie has to be an R rating, but I, you know I think the Wolverine would have not been a worse movie if it was rated R. It was certainly not a, a children's movie anyway. You know, it's a it, there's there, he killed I don't know. 150 ninjas Ninja, in right. that movie. Right, perhaps Wolverine within the X-Men concept yeah. stays to PG-13, yeah. but on his own. Yeah, yeah. and not always, but if the movie calls for it, then you, you uh, do that. I, that's what I think. But what we end yeah. up with is, perhaps, if mm-hmm. it does take the wrong turn, as James Gunn thinks, is... The wrong rating gets attached to the wrong sort of Absolutely, properties. We yes. can dirty up and violence up almost anything and mm-hmm. turn into some of the problems that even PG-13 movies have had. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 a comment I've, I've seen more than once uh, from John Byrne over on his side where they talk about mm-hmm. movies and where they're going. And it's, look, in, t- in terms of being true to characters and so on and so forth, movies are doing what comics did in getting things wrong only more quickly. <laughs> that it took comics 30 odd years to get into the dark ages mm-hmm. of Wolverine and Punisher mm-hmm. and then what followed mm-hmm. after that and they've only been doing these superhero movies for 10 yeah. and they, they've started to go in some mm-hmm. interesting places just as you're saying Bobby to me if it's the right character if it's organic to what you're doing great mm-hmm. we shouldn't really have an R-rated Patsy Walker movie no of course not you know but you don't know where that's gonna yeah. head so you have to hope cooler heads will prevail Yes. Some will take the right message from this and maybe an interview as James Gunn gave mm-hmm. puts the right idea in people's heads. Yeah. Let's hope. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I, I read, like, obviously, like, the worst example of this is Fox obviously does not know what to do with Fantastic Four. Yeah. They go, what if we make it a dirty R-rated comedy? And then, and then maybe that's the way we get people to go see it. Like, <laughs> you know, which Gee, which Rat House Fantastic Four? Yeah, well, we already have Ben running around without his pants. They can just <laughs> add, you know, <laughs> which is thing. Not, which is not all the realm of possibility. Obviously, right. it's something that a movie executive would think. Um, and that's a, that's the bad eventuality of it. And of course, you don't want to take characters like Iron Man, like Captain America. These characters do not belong in, in R-rated films, yeah. but. Deadpool, Wolverine, these are characters that can, you know, Wolverine is not born from, you know, being a happy-go-lucky character. He's known as the best is what he does, and the and what he does is kill people. Like so, it, yes. it, 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 if it, that to me is not a character that, although has been obviously, he can appear in cartoons. You, you that stuff can be more kid-friendly, but he's not a character that's intrinsically mm-hmm. meant. I, I think meant for children. So that that's sort of a very fringe case to me in, in a lot of ways right. no you look what they did with jessica jones mm-hmm. yeah for television that, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry joy go ahead then <laughs> no, I was, something that something that i found interesting here with this conversation is like um at the same time that you know characters like iron man captain america whatever uh don't belong in an r-rated film um we have things like jessica jones which the original jessica jones comic captain america is in that first arc Right, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like what we're saying with Colossus being in this Deadpool movie, right? Like um, something that Marvel did comics-wise in the late '90s was that Marvel Knights stuff, and there was a Marvel Knights Black Panther, you know, mm-hmm. not a not a character that you would necessarily associate with mm-hmm. a harder edge, but you can tell those stories. So, mm-hmm. like, is there a way to tell a hard R adult story with these characters, or a TVMA with these characters? Yeah, Patsy Walker was in Jessica Jones, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think the the question though is like, and the lesson that, and Gunn kind of talks about this. The lesson that like, I I really hope that studios and 
take away from this isn't necessarily what the rating is, but that the at the understanding of the character from yeah. the creative uh, angle, the 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 respect for the character, the respect for kind of the property, and and the the care put into producing a film based. Well, that's what I think the lesson of Deadpool is, rather than rated R or PG thirteen or can you do this with another character? You yeah, because you can do anything with any of these characters, mm-hmm. as the comics have proven, time and time again. You know, um, Daredevil didn't become well. I mean, for a while, Daredevil wasn't the hasn't been the the hard R Daredevil of Bendis, right? Mm-hmm. Mark Wade took it in a completely different direction, but it's the same property. You know, um, so like the ratings and and the angles, like that's not what I'm interested in. What I'm interested in is are is the attention going to be paid to the actual craft of these films as opposed to you know the financial or the ratings and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. There are so many other things in superheroes in comics that mm-hmm. would be great for R-rated. Films, yes, whether that's black yeah. science or mm-hmm. you name it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you could go down those roads and not have a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Sex criminals. Yeah, it should be R. Yeah. can't be anything else but. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe X. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Steve, you have any thoughts on uh, R-rated superhero movies? Uh, just that I think that there's room for both. Mm-hmm. I think that. Um, you know, like you guys said, certain property properties are appropriate for, while others are not. Uh, I think that I think that Deadpool is going to create a lot of excitement and perhaps a bit of confusion for like executives and studios, and that with the success of this movie, we might for a while see like a string of franchises trying out the R rating and perhaps some of them discovering that it doesn't quite work and maybe that they either misrepresented the characters or thought too much of the thought too much of the rating and have to maybe scale it back uh the next time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean my hope is that they don't go overboard with it. Like I've seen, you know, ever since the success of Deadpool there's already, you know, people with like ideas of what they think is going to be all these movies are going to announce that they're now going to an R rating because there's time to, you know, make changes to the script and maybe some things that they had to take out of the initial concept. Now they can put them back in since the door has been, you know, kicked wide open. But, um, I mean, one, one movie can, can change a lot of stuff in Hollywood, especially, if Deadpool continues to keep making money and and starts to near like the 200 million mark, that's a lot of money for something like that. And and there will be studios that try again. Mm-hmm. And um, I would just you know they're not going to listen to me because you know the the dollar rules over opinion uh, most of the time. But just be careful, you know, like be careful about what you choose to go and see. Be careful about properties that you choose to you know you allow them to go for the hardcore stuff and you might end up you know losing some fans over it more so than gaining them yeah absolutely yeah totally and uh, i think the 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 rose-tinted glasses will eventually begin to to crack or become out of focus Mm -hmm. as they you know as they lose perhaps a little bit more than they gain deadpool i don't mean to steamroll you i just if i don't get my my thoughts out entirely (laughs) i'll lose them I think it really, really worked for Deadpool, and Deadpool was like a super passion project that was determined to be R. I don't know that other things need to strive to be Mm R-rated. You can still tell great stories 
doing PG thirteen. Yeah, and and look, look, no movies. Here's the thing: Deadpool will make two hundred fifty, maybe three hundred million dollars. No R-rated movie is ever going to make six hundred million dollars or nine hundred million dollars. You know, so and this that that's the number that Marvel and Disney are going after. You know, they're not going. They, they, they can make they can make a movie that makes two hundred fifty million dollars. They know how to do that. You know, they can stick literally stick Tony Stark in any movie they want, and it's going to make at least that much yeah. money. Uh, I, I think that the the other lesson here, though, is a lesson I think that ever all these studios can learn is that Deadpool costs fifty eight million dollars to make. You can make a movie that doesn't cost two hundred fifty million dollars, and it can do a lot of cool stuff. You don't have to. Yep. Doesn't have to. Deadpool was made relatively quickly as well. Once once the production got going, it got going very fast, and, and I feel like that sort of lean filmmaking these studios can definitely learn from because I like that way well, you can make a Black Widow movie. You can make a Black Widow movie for $50 million, you know, and, and you'll make that money back for sure. And not have it look cheap. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. no, not at all. And there are other characters as well. And that line you, you can bring to the, the screen that maybe they don't, you can't spend $250 million on their movie. You know, it, it's not big, huge action sequences and, and, you know, shifting aspects of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but you can tell a cool spy story of Black Widow for $50 million. Mm-hmm. You have Scarlett Johansson in it. It's going to make money. I hope that's what I hope is part of the thing that people learn from this is that yeah. you can make these movies for less money and still have big hits uh, on your hand. Because, I mean, and, and I, I do like that it opens up the ratings too. I would love to see, like, a John Const like a Hellblazer movie that ha- would have to be rated R. It would make yeah. no sense if it was rated anything less than R. So, I, I just hope it opens stuff up. And again, I mean, I think that I don't think Sammy's fears are unfounded that Hollywood's gonna gonna flock to making these movies. But at least now, with the, at least the two big companies, for most of their properties, DC for all their properties, obviously, yeah. the the companies which publish the books themselves have a major part in. At least someone from those companies is a major part in how the movies get made. So there's going to be, I think there's going to, I don't think you have a, a as much fear of things just like running away up themselves as if it was, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago when Marvel's properties were everywhere. You know, then you might have seen something a little bit more yeah. off the cuff. See, one of my biggest personal fears, considering some of the tropes in this film, mm-hmm. an R rated She Hulk movie <laughs> where they would take some of what, you know, David Goyer. Mm-hmm had to say for himself Mm -hmm. and you take this okay here's a character who enjoys her own world Mm -hmm. her own sexuality her own power and strength or whatever and is this funny character and says wacky stuff Mm -hmm. we'll do that breaks the fourth wall right and we'll do um, yeah shatters it and Mm -hmm. and then we'll we'll turn this into deadpool yeah but i don't think marvel and disney would ever do that uh well that's you know that belongs to universal i think i I don't Think, but I don't no. think I don't think Univer- Here's the thing: I don't think Universal can make the movie without them without Marvel. Saying, okay. Yeah, they just have distribution. I think. They just they, okay. Universal has distribution rights. They don't have the right to make the actual movie. That's the whole hanging up with the Hulk thing. Like Marvel can make the Hulk movie, but they can't distribute it without co-profiting gotcha. with with okay. Universal. So yeah, I don't think that yeah that doesn't that doesn't work like that. But yeah, no, I understand what you're saying though. Absolutely, that makes that makes total sense. Um, so yeah, but speaking of hard R-rated stuff. Have we all seen? Have we all seen the Daredevil season two teaser? Dude, I what? Have not, no. <laughs> no. You haven't oh seen it, Bob? God, it's wild. <laughs> yeah. But it's like all Punisher. Oh, and it's really great. It's oh, really, man. really great. Yeah. Um, let's check that out when we're done. <clears throat> you know, Punisher. A lot of it's Punisher talking to Daredevil. 
Yeah, but you know what? It's like it's weird because it's like the first half of the trailer. I know, yeah. Just the trailer, it's like part two coming February twenty fifth. Yeah. Because like, what? what is this crap? The end of the trailer, you hear "Hello, Matthew," and he goes "Electra," and then you just see her for the first oh. time. Yeah. So, and then I guess the next trailer will be all about Electra. I guess that's yes. what the next trailer is going to be all about. But I love, I, 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 it just it looks like more of what was so great about that first season so i'm excited about what's coming next but uh we've been we've been yabbering on long enough here um if you guys want to get in touch with us at talking comics on twitter facebook.com slash talking comics or podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com please go to talkingcomicbooks.com for all of the great articles reviews podcasts everything we have a ton of content going on the site every day thank you to all our awesome contributors and uh thank you to stephanie for uh for managing mm-hmm. and everyone Absolutely. as well um we have a, a special edition podcast up right now um which is a pretty cool story about a, a pretty famous james bond toy yeah. uh bob and stephanie ran that interview uh so check that out it's pretty cool um i would uh, um it's a it's kind of not exactly comics but it's in the in our yes it is in, in our, our vein, wheelhouse yeah. in our wheelhouse so check that out it's it's, it's a pretty cool thing um yeah so if you want to get in touch with us personally i'm at bobby shortle on twitter steve i am dead <laughs> Sorry, I am dead. I'm getting distracted now because we're wrapping up, and I have two people in the living room beckoning. Um, I am at dead underscore anchors. Joey, at Joey Bergino, and Bob Bob Breyer at talkingcomicbooks.com. And I'm at Bobby Shortall. I said that already. I said that first. Uh, I'm distracted, Steve. You distracted me. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up, Jehoshaphat. Exactly. Um, Yes. So uh, that's our Deadpool review. We're gonna we're back in what a month from now, a little over a month to Batman v Superman, and then like a month from that to do uh, Captain America. Oof. So we have a big string of, of superhero movies coming out where the season starts early. And Suicide Squad and X Men <laughs> and X Men. Oh, X Men X Men is right after Squad. Captain America, uh, yeah. Suicide Squad, and yeah, Doctor Strange after that. So. It's a lot of, lot of stuff going on. And in 2018, we'll be reviewing. <laughs> yes. It never stops. <laughs> um, but until then, that's going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Steve. See you later. Joey. Definitely maybe. And Bob. Chimichanga. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. Is it, wait, is it like a, is it like there's a, a, there's a Batman cereal box and oh. a Superman cereal box. There aren't any words. It's just their logos. Okay. And it's not another brand of cereal. Like, no, no. Hmm. And it's funny because the Batman is chocolate strawberry. Sure. That's... And I'm like, that makes sense. Black for the logo, red for blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes. It's definitely how it goes. Um, I mean, when well, I think of Batman, I think of chocolate strawberry. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I want Cocoa Puffs shaped like little bats. That's there they are. They're want. shaped like little his little symbol. <laughs> but they have strawberry inside of it, I guess. I don't know. I, and I don't remember what the Superman flavor was. Mm. Blueberry. Justice. <laughs> <laughs> America. Yeah. Um. It tastes like the farm.
Mm. <laughs> it tastes like wheat. Yeah. Uh, Just like Pa used to make. <laughs> yes, it's know. not an. It's all of a sudden. Pa used to make so wheat <laughs> with his wheat bare cakes. hands. With his bare hands. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man! Tastes like hope. Well, not in this man. <laughs> tastes like I'm ready to break somebody's neck. That's what it tastes like. <laughs> <laughs>